Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be previewing the Super J Cup, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is an independent wrestling streaming service with over 5,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use the promo code Social Suplex to get your first month free. Also, make sure to check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. All right, young boy. We are here. Post G1. Um... We are we're live, man. How long I gotta hold this gimmick? <laughs> uh, yeah, you might have seen on Twitter. Got a new uh, podcasting gimmick, new mics. The Roadcaster got some new mics. Uh, I'm waiting on getting some new a new mic stand. So we're got the mics in the hand right now. Jer- yeah, man. Jeremy, I've been public speaking, singing, playing music, podcasting for a mad long time. These are the heaviest microphones I have ever <laughs> held in my entire life. And then and then I show up and you know, I'm just the talent. I'm just the talent. I offer nothing but my voice to this group and I guess like now I have to also offer my strong arm because literally my triceps and biceps like I wasn't going to work arms till tomorrow but now that's kind of out the window cuz this thing is what 30 pounds, 45 pounds? Probably something like that, yeah. My my god yo so um why don't we get some young boys that will come in here and just like literally kneel like next to the table and hold the mics for us and just hold them up to our faces (laughs) sounds good to me (laughs) and they'll never say anything it'll be like those 
we never talk about this on the show, and it's this is the most unsettling thing about New Japan Pro Wrestling. What's up with the security guards that literally like sit in the aisleway facing the crowd and never look in the direction of the camera and never look up? They literally just face the crowd and they're on their hands and knees, and we never talk about this. There's always like between three to like 15 of them, like on either side of the aisle. What is that about? I don't know, man. <laughs> Am I the only person that is bothered so so <laughs> greatly by this? I mean, I see like security guards at like American shows that are just they have, they're they're standing, but their backs are facing. So I don't know. Not like this. This seems like some like weird sex slave sort of stuff. I, I'm bothered by it. <laughs> um, so we uh, have a question here no, from. No, before we get to those <laughs> questions, we we've got to talk about this. It's really really important, Jeremy. How is it to be doing your first show in your 30s, brother? Yeah, man. Had the uh, big 3-0 uh, on Sunday. Uh, officially now in the 30s club. And, you know, I'm still feeling good right now so far. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so this this podcast is brought to you by two grown men who are in their 30s, not in their teens. You want to listen to a show that has teens, go listen to, I don't know, some AEW <laughs> show or some crap like that. This is this is for real pro wrestling with real men, um, Harley Race style. But uh, no, we went out. We went out Saturday. Tell them about tell them about the adventures that I had on Saturday, man. <laughs> yeah, Saturday we went out. Tell them about Uncle Dave. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, Saturday we went on the brew bus, a little tour that takes you around different breweries around uh, Tampa and St. Pete area. Great, great idea, by the way. Uh, went with the young boy here and Rich Latta and uh, Zach Porter, front of the show. And uh, soon as the public tour, so there's other people that come on the bus, and uh, we had a uh, Dave Meltzer look-alike. I swear to God, this guy looked, when I saw him, I literally was like, that's Dave Meltzer. Obviously, Dave does not drink, so it wasn't him, but I was like, guys, look at this guy over here. He freaking looks just like Dave Meltzer. And I, until he, once he opened his mouth, though, I was like, and he started talking, he had like the highest pitched, like most annoying voice. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's not Dave. Yeah, that's not Dave. <laughs> But um, he really looked like him. He did, but he he was uh, he had a minus five star behavior. Yo, what what is guys white people? (laughs) 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 Oh man! So so here's the thing, guys. Like this is kind of crazy. This brew bus they give you two free beers on on the actual bus. And then you get, you stop at three breweries, so you get one free beer at each brewery, totaling to five beers from what twelve thirty to four thirty. Twelve to four thirty, yeah. A four and a half hour deal with five beers. That's literally like how much you if you're like quote unquote responsibly drinking. Like that's pretty, you know, like you might be kind of buzz after that, but that's about it. Or or should be, bro. These people on this bus were freaking hammered. Yeah, man. These and they were not when we got on that bus. Like Yeah, they, they, they were did, totally they, sober. They were they did not pregame or anything. Yeah, we asked them we're like, "Did you guys because they start acting they start getting out of hand. I think it's the fact that they're on the bus. Like for white people like being on the bus, they just lose their dang mind. Like they don't <laughs> like they're like they're like it's a bus, there's rails, we're going to rage. And they're playing like music that did not slap, like literally like we, we got video at this one point where they're playing, like, I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas, and, like, these people are losing their minds. I'm like, yo, this is not college. This is not 2008. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, man. They, they, they got white girl wasted. It was bad. And then there was this one lady, and uh, she, she decided she needed to learn everybody's name on the entire bus. And then every time we got back to, like, anytime we're in the vicinity of each other, she wanted to say everyone's name to prove she remembered it all. But I kept giving her the, the wrong name because I didn't think she needed to know my name. And she kept, and she was so drunk, she kept getting confused. Um, and then, like, the last time that I was on the bus, because I left early, uh, she came over and tried to, like, give me a lap dance. And I literally put my foot up and kicked. I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. Th- th- this is a Christian household. This, this is not gonna fly. <laughs> but then she like, she literally like was like on the seat next to me, but like hunched over. She had her hands in my like freaking like lap. She was grabbing my knees and like trying to talk. And oh, and by the way, her husband was Dave Meltzer. Right? Yeah. The, uh, Uncle Dave look alike. Uncle Dave, and he w- he was losing it too. At one point, she grabbed Rich's beard and she was trying to like talk to him. And I like pulled him out of there. Like, well, before that, she was trying to grab my beard. She's like, "I really like your beard." She's like, "I wish I could grow a beard." Yo, it was so handsy. I, I I felt I felt like me too. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that was wrong. Oh my yeah, gosh. and then after you left, man, it it just got it went downhill from there, <laughs> man. Dude, they were just trash on the bus. Uncle Dave was throwing up. Oh my god, uh, dude! It was it was a hot mess, but it, it it was fun people watching though. So you're basically saying like I'm Kenny Omega and the Elite, and after I left, it, it went all downhill. Yeah. So y'all's Goto and Shibata and you know <laughs> Kenta. Yeah. Ishi. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was a fun time. And then, uh, now we had a really good time, but those people, I could not, bro, I couldn't believe it. Five beers? Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's bro. We were like, we were completely fine. Yeah, dude, we're fine. You know, the uh, most belligerent we got was when we were playing Uno. Yeah, <laughs> yo, that was a mad intense game, Uno. I think I don't think you you guys were playing the rules right, but uh, we'll figure that yeah, out. Yeah, th- there were some made up rules. There were some rules that were being thrown around. That's the problem with playing Uno. Growing up, like nobody ever read the rules, so like everybody kind of has like their own like house rules. I felt like I was it was refereed by like red shoes. You know what I'm saying? Like nah, he's got his own nah, rules. It was refereed by Nick Patrick. <laughs> We're, we're getting screwed out there. <laughs> well, uh, I, but I kept winning, so I don't know who how you guys are getting screwed. I kept winning. You you were you were you were for, you were the one that was you know. Now I was playing by y'all's rules and beating y'all in, at your own game. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, that was a good time. So you know, shout out to everybody that wished me a happy birthday this weekend, and everybody that was uh, celebrating with me. Happy to be in the 30s. That just means like like a fine wine. This show's just going to get better and better. Yeah, man. This is uh, episode 90, man. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) We are almost to 100 episodes. We're almost to the two-year anniversary. Wow. Time's flying, man. Y'all want to get us gifts? Uh... I'm gonna set up a GoFundMe page for uh, for Jeremy and for the show's birthday. Y'all can y'all can PayPal us. Yeah, uh, buy, I'll buy send you out the uh, the Cash App, the Venmo username. Yeah, or you can just go to prostlandtees dot com slash social suplex. Buy a bunch of keeping it strong style shirts. Y'all can DM me, slide my DMs. We'll set <laughs> something up. All right, man. But let's get uh, jumped into this thing. Uh, we got a question from Reddit user Jar of Peanuts. He says, "Are you guys experiencing any G one withdrawal?" So much good wrestling and discussion in such a short amount of time, only to abruptly stop once the G one finishes. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, but I, I am experiencing a little bit of G one withdrawal, man. I was talking with um, 
imp uh, on his show last week and just, you know, I'm so used to, you know, rushing home from work, being so excited to watch, you know, all these great matches. And now, man, it's like it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I feel like I'm glad it's over because there was so much wrestling going on. There was so there was so much good wrestling that it was hard for me to even keep, uh, you know, tabs on what was happening. Like, like. You know, it feels like Dallas was like half a year ago, but it was not. Right, yeah. It was literally like a month and a week, like five weeks ago. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, yeah, it was hard to like keep up. The one thing I always feel like, and this is something that I actually feel like, I feel bad. I feel like I could have had better, uh, better coverage of what we were saying, what we were doing. Um, that's the only thing, like... And you know it's funny. Our shows have been doing phenomenal numbers. We've yeah, getting- man, we uh, we broke our Wrestle Kingdom number with the uh, G One preview episode. Did we? Yeah. Wow. And then I think we're on track for the finals to like maybe do the same thing. Yeah. The final. The uh, yeah. Last week's episode is that's crazy. It's getting very near to the uh, the G One preview episode and the Wrestle Kingdom thirteen so, episode. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys for that. But I also feel like I'm like, dang, it's really hard. To have good, concise coverage over such a huge tournament. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of like week off has been nice a little bit. Yeah. For me, anyways. I mean, I miss the good wrestling, but it, does, it is kind of good to have kind of something kind of spaced out a little bit. But I do miss like all the back to back matches and just the excitement of, let's, you know, coming home and nah. avoiding spoilers and uh, watching G1. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when it's happening and I'm glad when it's over. <laughs> Uh, but all right, man, let's talk about Super J Cup. Super J Cup is coming up this weekend. And so I thought it'd be good to just kind of talk about a little bit about the Super J Cup history. Um, you know, I know a lot of new, we have some listeners that are probably new to New Japan or not exactly familiar with the Super J Cup. And I know in the past we had a question, you know, what's the difference between Super J Cup and Best of the Super Junior? So, you know, I think it's a good time to talk about all that kind of stuff right now. Uh, so, you know, Super J Cup is something that started in uh, 1994. Um, it was the uh, brainchild of Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, the first Super J Cup was produced by uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, you know, this was, you know, Liger's idea to, you know, get some shine on some of the young up-and-coming junior heavyweights. Yeah, you want to know the who actually inspired uh, Liger to do the Super J Cup. Who was it? His wife. Really? Yeah, you know why? Why? Cause she likes Super Delphin. <laughs> <laughs> she was like a really big Super Delphin mark. And um, she was like, wouldn't it be a cool idea if you could wrestle like Super Delphin and some of these other guys from all these other companies? And that's what kind of inspired like Liger to be like the organizer and the, the guy the driving force behind that whole wave of you know interpromotional junior lightweight cooperation in the like early to mid 90s going into the 2000s for sure yeah and so you know that first tournament and pretty much majority of the tournaments was you know, all about you know bringing in wrestlers from other promotions as well um so you know this the first one you had obviously it was promoted by New Japan, so you also had Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. You had Wrestling Association R, Michinoku Pro Wrestling, uh, War Style, <laughs> CMLL, and the uh, Social Progress Wrestling Federation. 
Oh man, social progress. I'm trying to remember like who that even was. I'm not totally uh, sure. Masayoshi Mot- Motagi. Motagi. I'm not sure if I'm saying. Oh man, that. you know what? I don't know who that. Like <laughs> I, I've seen the Super J Cup '94. So, um, but I'm I'm blanking on that one. So I mean, for for those who don't know, the probably the most influential single elimination tournament in history the one that resonates and maybe had the most effect on the wrestling industry and business is Super J Cup 1994. Uh, just because the time that it came around, the style of wrestling that it uh, popularized and the method for which it was delivered, it was delivered at a time when tape trading uh, was so heavily prevalent and Japan was like the focal point of the majority of you know overseas tape trading. And... All these big stars that became big deals later, like Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Taka Michinoku, Dean Malenko, Otani, Delphin, Negro Casas, Ricky Fuji, Hayabusa, Liger. I mean, El Samurai, like Grace Sasuke. This this is literally like a murderer's row of the greatest junior heavyweights of that time. And um, th- most of their names and, and um, exposure to the northern audience in most cases was brought up brought about through uh this tape and like you talk to most older fans who are into japanese pro wrestling for the majority of them it's like one of two things were how they got into japanese pro wrestling it's either j cup 94 or those iwa death matches with cactus jack and terry funk those are like the two most and and like fmw to a lesser degree like those are the two main things that brought people you know to the dance um, so this is a highly, highly and heavily influential, I, I would say in recent times, the CWC is almost as influential. The closest thing, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and this thing was such a great success. And, you know, it drew a sold-out crowd of 11,500 11, at Sumo Hall. We were watching that sh- that match the other night. I think I, d- I said, is that Sumo Hall, right? Yeah. Yeah. It drew a gross revenue of uh, 570,000 uh, U.S. dollars. You know, Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer, he called it, you know, the most incredible single night of wrestling ever. Um, and we, we talked about, you know, the free match of the week last week was the final match uh, with um, Wild Pegasus, a.k.a. Chris Benoit and the Great Sasuke, a.k.a. Black Ninja. <laughs> we watched that match, and um, that was a match you hadn't seen up to that point, right? Right. You know what's funny? I think I did try to make you and Rich watch it a long time ago, one of those nights where we were, like, out, out, and we are like, coming back down. And yeah. I think you guys both fell asleep um, the first time we tried to watch it. But So I was, I was nervous when you were watching it because I always, like, talk about how amazing that match is, but it's, it's an older – I mean – even though it's a fast-paced junior style, it's not the fast-paced junior style of 2019. Right. You know what I mean? It's definitely a slower I mean, pace I, than I, what it, we were. It was a, it's a little bit slower pace, but it still had great action. Um, you know, it innovative moves for that time period. It, it was an, an awesome match. I mean, I, the first time watching it, I was marking out for it, man. It, it was a great match. No, yeah, I should have given you more credit, but I was just nervous. <laughs> I was like, I hope he likes this. I hope I don't look like a fool saying how great it is. <laughs> Um, but that match, that match is there, and you know what? That's like one of the best matches of the tournament. But like diehards probably name a couple other matches like during that same tournament that might even be better. Ninety four is incredible. Yeah, so that tournament was just, and that final was incredible. And, you know, I do have a recommended match of the week. Um, you know, I did, I didn't want to pick that match because we talked about it being the free match last week. But you should definitely go out of your way 
and watch uh, Super J Cup 94 and watch that final with Wild Pegasus and the great Sasuke. Um, later on in the show, I will have another Super J Cup uh, recommended match for you to tack along with that one. But like we mentioned, uh, 94, um, New Japan hosted it while Pegasus was the winner. And then in 95, it was hosted by uh, Wrestle Association R, uh, which Jushin, Thi- Jushin Thunder Liger won. And then we wouldn't see another Super J Cup until the year 2000, which was hosted uh, by Michinoku Pro, which was also won by Jushin Thunder Liger. And then it would be another four years we saw one, and it was hosted by Osaka Pro, which was won by uh, Marafuji. And then five years later, 2009, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling hosted the tournament again, also won by Marafuji. And then in 2016 was the last Super J Cup, once again hosted by New Japan Pro Wrestling. And the winner was Kushida. Yeah, so a, a couple quick thoughts on all this. So um, between 94 and 95, one thing that kind of goes in conjunction, people get it confused a bit, but... The, J, the crowning of the J-Crown, which was the unifying of eight different uh, cruiserweight slash junior heavyweight titles, that that tournament also kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the history and the cooperation between all those companies in 95. Uh, the 95 tournament also is very famous because back in the day, you used to be able to get the 94 tournament and the 95 tournament together in mm. conjunction as like a box set. And um, one of the matches that were highlighted, maybe the match of the night, and it's not a tournament match, non-tournament match, was uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis. Mm. And that was like, yeah, they'd been doing it in Mexico, but when they did it in war, that's what prompted them to bring them to ECW and then over to WCW, and then obviously Rey blowing up in the States. So that's a highly influential tournament as well. Um, And then as you start getting to the other ones in the 2000s, like, it does seem to be that though the tournaments are still very good, they kind of lose a bit of their grandeur. The talent is still great, but the star power kind of diminishes. But um, the one in um, 2009 specifically was one of the last ones where they had a, a large cooperation between a lot of like outside groups. And actually, I would actually say that's probably even less than maybe the 2004 one, but um, Prince Devitt, that one in 2009, that was like his coming out party. Um, and he ends up in that final with Marafuji. And that's a match, if you haven't seen that, you really sh- and you and you like Prince Devitt, you should really go out of your way to watch that. But that was like his coming out party was that 2009 one. And for the last three tournaments, that's kind of what it, or the last two, it's kind of been like based around s- establishing a guy. Like in 2009, it was Devitt. In 2016, it was Kushida. Like it, that whole tournament is completely about establishing Kushida, right? And as he was the, the IWGP Junior Champion going into that tournament, also. Yeah. So that whole year was you know building up Kushida and just making him one of the greatest uh, modern junior heavyweights. Yeah, and that one kind of took a bit of criticism because he, it's almost exclusively like, and and this one's not going to be different, but they're they're essentially New Japan tournaments as 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 opposed to interpromotional tournaments that might feature a couple guys from other groups. And that's kind of what this one in, um, you know, here in the next few weeks that's coming up is. But that being said, I don't want to, like, crap on the one that's happening because the lineup is one of the best uh, J-Cup lineups in years. Like, in, in a very, very long time. This is actually, 
I would say it's one of the best like J Cup lineups ever. Actually, yeah, I mean it looks looks pretty good. Yeah, um, I think people are sleeping on this a, a little I, bit. I think they are. Um, so we had a question from our good old buddy Karen at Karen Nerds Out on Twitter, and she asked if we're going to any of the Super J Super J Cup shows. Um, unfortunately, Karen, we are not going to any of the Super J Cup shows. We're going to have to catch them here at the dojo whenever they air on New Japan World. Um, I, th- I think for the um, I don't really have any wrestling trips planned for the remainder of the year. Karen, next time you're going to the Super J Cup, invite us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, I'm just playing. Yo, you don't live far from us. Come catch a come catch a Largo Loop show with us. Yeah, man, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, Karen's always out with these shows, man. Yeah, we have to like come, sync. come to world famous Minreg Hall. <laughs> yeah, we got to sync up. Square Garden of the Largo Loop. <laughs> yeah, we got to sync up and uh, head out to a show together. All right. So for the rest of the questions, do you want to do our predictions first, and then kind of jump into these Super J Cup questions? Um, I'm fine either way. So yeah, yeah. Let's look at the bracket first. Make our predictions, and then we could uh, answer some of these uh, questions that we got in from our. So you want to book this whole thing out? Is yeah, that what we're doing yeah, right now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So the opening night is August 22nd in Seattle. So I'm looking here on the uh, left side of the bracket. So on the top, the uh, the main event of night one is the dream match between Will Ospreay and the Amazing Red. Where you, where you who you got on that one? Uh, I've got Will Ospreay and. On top of that, I think there's a good possibility this is match of the night just because the emotion behind it, the story, uh, amazing red. Like, he's going to he's gonna deliver. Will's going to let him not – he's not going to let him not deliver. Um, that's that's going to be – it's got banger written all over it, and I think it's one of the most anticipated matches of the tournament for almost everybody. Yeah, I'm also going with Will Ospreay. Uh, you know, clearly he's the still the current IWGP junior heavyweight champion – Amazing Red is an outsider, and, you know, he's been planning on winding down his career. Actually, he's supposed to be retiring, but, you know, Will Ospreay got him out of retirement for this matchup here. And what I'm, I'm hoping this match kind of inspires him, lets him know he still he still has it, and maybe we can get um, a best of Super Junior run next year with Amazing Red or some other uh, some junior appearances from him in the company. Mm. So then also... On August 22nd, we have first-round action between Sho and the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori. So are you surprised when you're looking at this bracket that they've got Sho and Ishimori as being in the exact same bracket field as uh, Osprey and Amazing Red? Uh, I'm not surprised Taiji's there. I'm not really surprised Sho's there either. I am surprised that you know Sho and Taiji are facing off in the first round. That's almost a match. That you could see, you know, later on in the second round or maybe in the semifinals. Uh, there's a couple of big matches that they do have in here in this first round, including this Osprey Red and this uh, Show and Taiji match here. So here's the thing: I, it's not that I'm not surprised that it's in the first round because they could do big matches in the first round, but I'm surprised that after doing two of these really big matches back to back. The winners are going head to head immediately. Yeah. So that's um that actually is kind of surprising to me, especially with implications uh, regarding Osprey being the junior champion at the same time. Um, so th- that's a little bit of precarious booking to me. Um, who do we got here? I mean, uh, Show had that incredible early start to his best 
that's Super Juniors this past year. But Ishimori is one of the top, top guys in the entire, um, you know, in the entire division. And I'd be, I don't know. I'm going with Taiji Ishimori to set up a Osprey Ishimori match. That makes the most sense to me. I would have to agree. Especially coming out of Royal Quest where we're going to have, oh, actually Royal Quest is after this. That's building up to Royal Quest. We're going to have Osprey and Eagles against Ishimori and Phantasmal. So they're continuing that whole story there with Eagles joining Chaos. And I'm assuming that at some point we're going to get a junior tag title match with Osprey and Eagles challenging Phantasmo and Ishimori because the match at Royal Quest as of right now is a non-title match. So I think to kind of spark some fire with that rivalry, we're going to get Osprey Ishimori here. Feels like you're cheating, looking at the future cards to figure out what the, <laughs> what the, what, what the winner is going to be here. You're so, like Kenny with his psychology book. Yeah, psychology. Cheating. Yeah, man. So uh, you, you agree with me or are you going with uh, show? No, this is a keeping it strong style, cooperated uh, bracket prediction. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you. I think Ishimori's got this. All right. Also on night one in Seattle, we got Clark Connors taking on TJP. This is really interesting to me for a couple reasons. Um, they did something similar to this uh, during the um, New Japan Cup, where it feels like sometimes they'll bring in outsiders. And then put them against each other instead of against established New Japan guys. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of interesting. Now, they obviously know who TJ Perkins is. He is a dojo guy, but he hasn't wrestled in New Japan in years. Like, I don't know, 2009, like a decade. And Clark Connors is one of the LA Young Lions for, out of the dojo, but he hasn't had a singles match yet. So this is a very, very compelling match. I think the obvious Easy answer is that TJ Perkins is established as a as a name and a guy and Clark Connors is a young lion. But the real question here is I think it's just a very interesting it's not even a question. I just think it's really interesting that they decide to put these two guys against each, each other instead of like a Taguchi or, you know, right. A Yo or a dra- I don't know, like, you know, a Bushi. That's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I was really impressed with Connors during uh, the undercard tags and the G1. looked really great here. This should be a really great match. I'm a big TJP guy. I've always loved his matches and the way he wrestles. I think he's a, a great wrestler, and I'm excited to see him here in this tournament. And I think, um, you know, this matchup is going to be designed to kind of get TJP over. Um, I think, you know, Connors will get his stuff in, but I think ultimately this match is about getting TJP over, getting getting the shine on him. And I think that uh, TJP is going to advance to the second round. Um, you want my, you want a hot take? Yeah. TJP is going to win the match. Clark Connors is going to be the guy that's more over coming out of the match. He's mm. going to be the guy that gets over in this match. Yeah. And that's not a slight on TJP because we know how talented he is. And you and I are going to bat for him pretty often when other people are crapping on him. Yeah. But... He hasn't wrestled in the New Japan house style for a long time. And he's a guy that's really good at making other guys look great. And Clark Connors already looks great. Clark Connors is going to look incredible in defeat in this match. Yeah. And you know, these young Lions, they're, they're hungry. And they yep. want they want any chance to shine. So I can definitely see um, you know, Connors being the guy that we talk about most um, after this match is over. Um, so then... 
On also on this night, we're gonna have Robbie Eagles versus El Fantasmo. Now this one kind of surprised me. This is a big first round matchup. That's a huge matchup. <laughs> yeah, we we saw you know the turn on in Southern Showdown Eagles turning on Fantasmo and the Bullet Club to um, join Osprey and Chaos. And like I mentioned, uh, Osprey and um, Eagles are teaming up against Fantasmo and, and uh, Taiji at the Royal Quest show. So obviously they're going to continue that rivalry here for the remainder of the fall. But yeah, I'm surprised. This is a match I would expect in the second or even once again, second or semifinals, you know, leading, you know, going into this thing. But no, I like it. I like the idea that these guys have a history. They've got issues with one another. It's a match that's been building since before the G1 and the bookers say, nope, we're going to put it in the first round, run it. I don't want to have to wait for them to have to get through some other guys. I want them to come in fresh. I want them to sell their dispute and then move on in the tournament. And I th- I think that, yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah, and also I like that, you know, having some of these, you know, big first-round matches. Because, you know, some sometimes tournaments they'll put, you know, it's very clear who's going to win. And they'll put kind of like an easy setup in the first round. And you're like, oh, you know, this is a typical, you know, easy first-round match. I know who's going to win. and But here, man, I think – it could it could go either way here. Yeah, I, I think it's a 50-50. I think we probably I'm going to guess right now what I think your booking's going to be and I and I'll say what I think it is. You okay. think you think El Fantasma is going to win? Incorrect, sir. Really? You think Rob Eagles pulling up the upset? I think Eagles is going to win cuz in uh Best of the Super Juniors, Fantasma beat Eagles by cheating. Oh, so uh, you're a 50-50 booker now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Eagles is going to get the win back. He's going to beat Phantasmal clean. And then we're going to get uh, so Eagles and TJP in the second round. And because I have TJ, I, don't, I feel like TJP and ELP are very similar characters. They're both kind of like these heel, douchebag kind of characters. I was literally about to be like douchebags. Yeah. I, I don't, like, why would you do the kind of the same guy against each other around? I think you put, you know, heel TJP against Bayface Eagles in that second round there. Yeah, who is this? The best Robbie E that's out there, Robbie Eagles or Robbie E? Who you got? Oh, Eagles! <laughs> Eagles are way better than Robbie E or Robert Strauss, whatever his name is now. I'm just playing. Um, I could, I'll agree with you, but I really could see Phantasmo picking up the win again, just because they pushed this guy so heavily all year. But then again, they've got big plans for Robbie Eagles as well, so it's right. real, it's hard to say. You know, let's just. Add more fuel to fire, and maybe ELP comes out later on in the tournament and screws them out of a match, something, you know, continue to add fire to that Royal Quest match. Oh, so now you're booking screw jobs. <laughs> My God, you're. <laughs> West, call, westernization. Just, just call you Vince McMahon right now. <laughs> I'm going to call you Junior. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so, so based off that, we have um, Osprey and Taiji going on to San Francisco. And then TJP and Robbie Eagles. So then moving on to the right side of the bracket on that first night in Seattle, we're going to have Rishke Taguchi taking on Rich Lattice's favorite wrestler, the octopus Jonathan Gresham. So this is one where I don't think it matters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This actually probably would be a pretty good match. Uh, You know, I'm not expecting big match to Gucci or anything like that. Um, Jonathan Gresham is a guy that's been very impressive all year. But they've slotted him in the exact same kind of slot that they had him in during Best Super Juniors, like a mid-card match with a mid-card guy. 
even when he had big matches during the tournament, he never got a single main event. He always was slotted under 15 minutes. Most matches were like 11 minutes. They were solid. That's probably what this match with Taguchi will be. Uh, and Jonathan Gresham took a lot of losses. So if they want to put over Taguchi, which they're prone to do, they could. But I would like to see Jonathan Gresham pick up the win here. I think that him against Yo or Dragon Lee is a little bit more compelling to me. Plus him being the ROH... Uh, Representative, like throw them a little bit of a bone, like right. <laughs> give them something. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I think Gresham is going to win and needs to win here, especially after the, you know his best of Super Junior. I think it'd be good to like get some shine on him, and I think I think we will get big match to Gucci here, and it'll be one and done. So he he can have his big match and lose, and then he'll be in undercards the rest of the two nights and just chill. No, we're getting upper mid card match. To Gucci. <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite big match to Gucci. Mid, mid card to Gucci. <laughs> upper mid, sir. Like uh, fire mid to Gucci. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think uh, Gresham's going to win that. I I'm going to agree. I hope so. So then then we have Yo taking on Dragon Lee. I mean Dragon Lee, right? Pretty easy, right? Yeah, I, I think Dragon Lee is going to get this win here. I mean, Dragon Lee was is a former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion right, from just, this past year. Yeah, just came off the belt recently at uh, Dominion. He's the top star from one of the top stars from uh, CMLL in the company right now. Uh, I just couldn't really imagine Yo getting a big win in a single. It's different when it's a Super Junior. You can see upsets, but in a single elimination tournament, that usually tells you really what they think about most guys. There will be upsets in this tournament. So we could be looking like idiots a few weeks from now when yo right. when yo when yo rolls this man up with some sort of crazy pinfall and and pins him. But um, I'm thinking they're going Dragon Lee here, and we're gonna get a CMLL ROH match. Yeah. Actually, well, I guess they're both ROH. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dragon Lee's technically he's contracted CMLL, but he has been making some ROH appearances recently. Yeah, jobbing him out to <laughs> you know to a freaking Dalton Castle and crap like that. My God. Yeah. Very interesting. So we we have both of Rapungi 3K going out in the first round. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, so the next up, we have Caristico taking on Bushi. Uh, it's got to be Caristico, right? Yeah, I'm also going Caristico. Caristico also representing CMLL. Um, you know, Caristico, very good wrestler. This man ain't coming out here to do no job. <laughs> to no Bushi. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen Caristico at the Fantastica Mania tour. Uh, well, I I seen him in in WWE. Right, I seen Cara. That's right. He wa- was the original uh, Sin Cara. If you guys didn't realize that, uh, went back over to uh, Mexico after you know things didn't work out up north, and so yeah, I think he was Caristico, and you know I think he's very good in the lucha style. Obviously, he didn't really thrive under the the you know the sports entertainment WWE style um, and he's been doing great in Mexico so far and I think yeah you advance Cristico Let, just to be clear here I think and I don't know for sure but I'm pretty positive Cristico is the most overstar in CMLL at least I, I'm not a the biggest CMLL expert but when I watch Nobody gets the pops he gets, like, and he is a future. Well, actually, is he already in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm pretty sure he is, based off of his early 2000s runs. But like, 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny how, like, a, a run that, like, the run he had in um, WWE, how that can diminish the impact and the, like, like huge business that he did earlier in his career. And right, because I remember, I remember hearing about him before he signed with WWE and all the buzz he was getting. I would see a lot of clips of all the stuff he was doing, and then when he got signed, you know, they made a huge deal the signing. He went straight to the main roster and, like, had this whole, you know, gimmick for him. I'm like, all right, this guy, this is going to be awesome. And then things just didn't work out. Yeah, Carisico's the biggest star from Mexico. And for those of you who don't know, he's the original Mystico. Um, you know, and Mystico is the biggest star of the 2000s in Mexico City. I mean, he was doing bigger business than any other wrestler in the world mm-hmm. at a certain period of time. And it, it is crazy how, you know, almost not exactly the same, but kind of, there's similarities with his run in WWE to Kenta's somewhat. Mm, yeah. And how, it, like, in the eyes of fans, it's almost sort of diminished him when he came back. You know? Right. And, you know, not only did he... But he, but he, but but they both still kind of carry that clout, like, we were in WWE. Right. So it's kind of interesting. And, no, not only did he come back with diminished returns, I mean, he couldn't even get his name back because in the time he was gone, they had already established a new Mystico. Yeah, so there's multiple Mysticos, and then he went to... Uh, I'm trying to remember all the... He, he's had, like, three or four different names. Because he went to AAA, right? Yeah, and he was Mistezes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now there's another Mistezes, and then there's another Mystico in CMLL, and then he's Caristico, and I think he had another name, too. So, yeah, it's kind of a crazy, crazy mess. Yeah, so comes back, can't even get his name back, get his gimmick back. But uh, everyone knows. I mean, he's like L.A. Park. Like right, knows. right. That's, hey, that's Mystico. Right, that's the real one, yeah. But, yeah, I, I was surprised to see his inclusion here because he doesn't do best Super Juniors and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, this Jacob, that's kind of – that's a big name. It adds a lot of clout. And there's – oh, my God, if Bushi beat him, I would really question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I believe the uh, Ring of Honor, CMLL, um, War of the World is – Pretty soon after this, so he's probably was already going to be in the states anyway. So, you know, just st- uh, start off in Seattle and then fly over to wherever the Ring of Honor tour is going to start. Mm. And then the final match of that block, and it, you know what's funny? This is kind of what I was pointing to in the beginning. Look at the first half of this block, and then look at the second half of this block. Um, the the name value, this at least the star power, it's not quite the same on this side. <laughs> yeah, but. There's a heavy, heavy lucha influence on this side of the block, which might actually make for for some pretty com- like compelling uh, matchups on the side. Yeah, but uh, we've got Rocky Romero taking on Soberano Jr. Yeah, this should be an interesting match. You know, Rocky coming off that hot run from Best of Super Juniors, um, Soberano. We saw him. We've been seeing him in the uh, Fantastica Mania tour, and he was also in the uh, Super Junior Tag League. Um, you know, he got a lot of um, criticism during the Super Junior Tag League and um, his performances here. And then, you know, he took a lot of L's in that, that tournament. And um, You know I like Sobrano Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Remember, we saw him in the Fantastic Mania shows, and he was doing great. He's so good. Yeah, that, um, a match that people kind of forget about, the match with him and uh, Cavernario this past year, I think that was still probably the match of 
Fantastic Mania tour. It really was awesome. Yeah, it was really great. Um, so yeah, I think this should be end up being a great match. Uh, I'm going to go with Rocky Romero. Yeah, I'm going Rocky. Getting the big win here and advancing to the second round. Yeah, and the other thing too is I think it's going to be good for Soberano Jr. because Rocky is a guy who has spent so much time in Mexico, so adept to that Lucha Libre style, and he's a really good New Japan opponent for Soberano Jr. They did a great job with that matchup, and I, I see Rocky going on to take on Caristico. Nice. So we got Rocky and Caristico, and then we have Gresham against Dragon Lee. So uh, You know what's funny? Well... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm almost second-guessing Jonathan Gresham beating Taguchi, to be honest with you. Mm. Now I'm looking at the brackets, how it's going to play out. I'm yeah. a little bit thinking Taguchi might be the guy that they push forward because they just love to do that. Yeah. But I'll, I'll stick with you. I'll ride with you. <laughs> All right, so let's go back over to the other side of the block. So in uh, San Francisco, we've... So round one is all one night. Yeah. Holy crap. How many matches is that? Nine, there's nine matches because there's uh, there's also undercard matches. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so then the next night will be San Francisco. So on the left side of the bracket, we've booked Will Ospreay versus Taiji Ishimori. Who you got there? Who would you uh, put, put forward in that match? Um, that's really tough. I think, like, your knee-jerk reaction, what you want to say is Will Ospreay. But do you have him lose to Ishimori here to establish a future title shot and kind of push Ishimori as a push commodity and kind of try to replenish the junior division? Or do you give that clout to someone else either in the semi or main or, or in the finals? Or, I mean, who knows? They could just go all the way with Will Ospreay again. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Yeah, no, this is such a tough one to go, you know, think about. Because, yeah, it can go either way. And Taiji could beat Osprey to set up a uh, junior title match in the fall. Got a lot of shows coming up, Destruction Tours and King of Pro Wrestling and Power Struggle. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going I'm to go with uh, Big Match Will. And I'm going to go with Osprey advancing to Los Angeles. Okay, I will go with Will Ospreay as well. All right, so then also on San Francisco, we've booked uh, TJP to take on Robbie Eagles. So I got to tell you, the one match that I'm the most torn on still is Eagles and Phantasmo. Mm -hmm. And I think that both of I think whoever wins out of them is beating TJ Perkins regardless. Right. And I, I see the semifinal matchup being... Will Ospreay versus either Eagles or Phantasmo. Right. And there's a story to be told there. For both for both guys. For both guys either yeah. way. Um, in a way, I think Phantasmo makes a little bit more sense. But from like a long-term booking perspective, but if you want to have like that really incredible, and both matches would probably be incredible, but man, if you really want to deliver something special on that final night, Eagles and Ospreay might be the way you need to go. Yeah, and that's exactly the booking I'm thinking. I'm thinking Eagles is going to beat TJP here in San Francisco, and then in Los Angeles, you'll get the big rematch of Osprey and Eagles. Those guys killed it at Southern Showdown, and I think that would be great to kind of run it back again. And Third know, matches this year. Yeah, and continue their story and also you know their new like friendly rivalry. Absolutely. 
So then after that, we booked it out for Gresham to be taken on Dragon Lee. Although, oh man, I'm kind of torn. I really think I should have gone to Gucci on that one. But um, you know what? We, we, let's go. You you roll with me with Eagles on the left side. So I, do you see why Taguchi makes more sense? Yeah, yeah. Because if you've got uh, Caristico on the other side and Dragon Lee, Gresham is like the third outsider, and he's seen in my eyes as being a much more uh, lower on the totem pole. Yeah. Right, so and Taguchi's just a guy that they push. Like for right. whatever reason, they just do. I think that they're gonna go Dragon Lee Taguchi. All right, so all right, so we'll, we'll go with Taguchi. So Taguchi Dragon Lee. Oh man, I can already hear Rich. Rich is listening to this right now, and he's like, "This man Josh with Taguchi." <laughs> well, actually, he'll be happy because you had him beat Gresham. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so one time he'll agree with me on Taguchi. <laughs> I don't even like Taguchi. I just know. Like, look at the history. Look at the adjective. Uh, but um, either way, I think. Dragon Lee's got to beat him, right? Yeah, I would. I would have Dragon Lee. I would have had Dragon Lee beat Gresham. I would have had Dragon Lee beat Taguchi. So either either or doesn't really matter. I think Dragon Lee will advance on to Los Angeles. Okay. Then on that bottom side of the block, we have Caristico against Rocky Romero in San Francisco. Huh. My knee jerk reaction is Caristico. Yep, I, I would go Caristico too. And you booked that Lucha semifinals. With Dragon Lee and Caristico. That's a really big match to be giving away during the J-Cup. Um, I hope they do that. But could they go Rocky? They could. I mean, Rocky had an incredible run in Best of Super Juniors. That's to such a good Super Juniors. To capitalize on that momentum and that run, you could do Rocky-Dragon Lee and have Rocky have an awesome match at Dragon Lee in Los Angeles. But... I really feel that it would be cool to do that Lucha match with Dragon Lee and Caristico. It's a big match. It's a fresh match to the New Japan audience, New Japan fans. Uh, I think it would be something different for this tournament. So you kind of have like a Lucha-style um, semifinal on this side. That would also, think about this. This is an interesting thing, the way that we booked it out. Gaijin, 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 and Gaijin. They spit hot fire. <laughs> we have no Japanese talent in this entire thing. Um, is that the way that they're going to go, you think? Maybe. Maybe they're trying to keep spirit of, you know, the original Super J Cup and um, having some outsiders kind of go forward. So. But they but they, in, they always push the Japanese talent. Right. Well, Whether it was like Sasuke or... Whoever Liger, they're like I'm almost inclined to think that there's gonna be some sort of upsets, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, looking at the field, the most likely, the most likely Japanese talent that would be seen in the finals, in my opinion, would be Ishimori, right? Which means he would have to beat Will Osprey, right? And I think you could easily do the booking that we did with Will. With Ishimori. Right. You could do Ishimori Eagles. And Eagles, that's a that's a possibility. I'm almost sitting back thinking, but if you look at it, I mean, how many Japanese talent are there? Four? So you got Sho, Five. Taiji, Taguchi, who else? Uh, and Rapungi 3K. Yeah, five, yeah. Out of 15 guys? 16? Yeah. Wow. That's kind of telling. Like, 
the odds are you are going to end up without a Japanese talent in the end just because. Right. That's interesting. Um, but I'll, I'll go with you. So right now we've got it Eagles and Osprey, and then on the other side, Christico and Dragon Lee. Yeah. So then uh, Los Angeles, we've got Osprey and Eagles. Who would you put over there? I almost think Ishimori should win this whole thing. Mm. When I'm looking at these names, I don't I don't think it makes sense for most of them, except for maybe Eagles. Like you could do you could do Will. You could do Will for sure. But he just won the best of the Super Juniors. He just had a he's the champion. And they don't need to do what they did with uh Kushida all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Because he's already at that level, and it's almost like overkill to have him like run through the whole tournament again, unless they really anticipate keeping him at junior for a while. Right. Well, I don't think he's going to win. So what, you don't. What, what I'm thinking is it's going to be Osprey and Dragon Lee in the finals. And you think Dragon Lee's going to beat him? Rematch from Dominion. Dragon Lee beats him. Set up another match. You could definitely do that. I'm just wondering. With Dragon Lee, this kind of tournament is almost seems to be something where how many more, how much more time? Because they had such an extended period of dates on him last year. Are we going to get the same thing next year? You know, right? Are we getting a dome show with him? Like, is that what what this is? Is that what you're thinking it's leading to? I don't know because you know the winner of this, you know, there's not really a defined prize for what the winner gets besides a trophy. So I'm just thinking maybe he beats Osprey here in this main event, and then you do Dragon Lee Osprey, maybe King of Pro Wrestling, maybe Destruction or something like that. No, King of Pro Wrestling is <laughs> where you'd have to do that for sure. And then Osprey beats him again, and then that that's it for Dragon Lee for the remainder of the year. I'm see. I'm looking forward. I'm thinking about who takes this belt off of Osprey. I think you think Osprey's holding it all the way to the dome. Yeah, at least. Yeah, I think he is. That's probably a good bet. Um, I'm wondering though if Ishimori isn't the guy to do it to take the belt off of Osprey or win the Jacob. Both beat him. Beat him in the bracket. Beat Robbie Eagles and go through to the finals and be like the top guy because it's like. It's still a Japanese company, and they do push Japanese talent. Right. I, I'm almost hesitant to say that he doesn't end up there. Um, but, I, Dra- I, but, Dra- th- but Dragon Lee is a good way. Okay, I think Dragon Lee's for sure beating Chris to go. Right. I think, in my opinion, I think, I think Dragon Lee's got to be the easy pick out of the second half of the block. Yeah. To go to the finals. Uh, I also th- I think Robbie Eagles has a shot of um, going to the finals and winning. Also, I think so too. I could see um, I could see Eagles. I could see Phantasmo, and I G- could see Ishimori or Osprey. Yeah. So they've got a lot of big names on that second half. Um, but I like that booking. So so we're gonna say right now, Will Osprey loses in the finals. To Dragon Lee. Yeah. And he's going to beat uh, Robbie Eagles. Yeah. Okay. 
But on another note, I kind of think they might go Shimori. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, if, if you were right, you can come on here and. Well, here's the thing. Phantasmo, though, is another guy that they push so heavily. And it's like he won the British J-Cup. Right. They might just give him. But, the but I think that's J-Cup. why it'd be compelling to have him get beat in the first round. Because he was pushed so hard. You're like, oh, clearly he's going to win. And then. Well, I, I wouldn't like to see if Ishimori. Let's say hypothetically Ishimori did beat. Uh, Will Ospreay. It would not make sense for Phantasmo to be going up against him. Right. And I don't think TJ Perkins is beating either Phantasmo or Eagles. Although we could be wrong. They could Yeah, maybe they do stuff like that. Right. Maybe TJP, this is their kind of, you know, quote Coming unquote party. like audition for him. Yeah. And maybe, you know, if he they want to see how he does it, put him out far and then sign a contract. They could do that. Yeah. That yeah, that that top half is so stacked with so many guys. And the second half is stacked with talent, but most of those names you couldn't feasibly see winning the tournament. I think pretty much just Dragon Lee, really, um, for for lots of reasons. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. This is a, this one's a little a little hard to predict. Yeah. So we're going Dragon Lee. Yeah, Dragon Lee. All right, your Super J Cup 2019 champion. Keeping a strong style, official pick, Dragon Lee. All right, so let's look at these questions here. And the young boy picks Ishimori. <laughs> 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 um, so Zach Porter, um, he said, which first-round matches are you both looking forward to seeing other than Bill slash Amazing Red? Which potential matches would you like to see? I think it's so weird that he calls Will Ospreay Bill. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, I think well, Eagles and Phantasmo, like, Immediately comes to mind. Yeah, I got Eagle and Phantasmal circled as another uh, great first round match to look out for. I mean, we, we just talked about. I think Connors and TJP is the match people need to keep their eyes out for. Real interesting, obvious. And then Show and Ishimori. That whole that whole that whole ha- half of the block, those first four matches right there are all incredible. Yeah. Um, I think the other ones are also really good, but I think that that's where you're going to see the best. Matches of that side of the block, most likely. Yeah. And then as far as other matches, I, I really love to see that Dragon Lee Caristico match in the semi in that semifinal match there. Or that uh, second round match. Yep, that would be really good. Um, if they do end up doing Dragon Lee and Jonathan Gresham, we've seen them a few times. That That's always a great right. match. They, they just recently wrestled on Ring of Honor. Dragon Lee beat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a pretty good match. So, yeah, that should be a good match. I mean, Osprey against Ishimori. Yeah. Osprey against Eagles. Especially now that Ishimori's had time to heal. He's back to 100%. I think Ishimori's going to do phenomenal in this tournament. Osprey against Phantasmo. Osprey against Dragon Lee. Any, anyone against Osprey, really. Right. Uh, question from Reddit user Nine Tails: Are we going to see Bullet Club shenanigans in the Super J Cup? It fit the G1 with J and Fale, but Ishimori and ELP don't seem the type to use outside interference, or at least to the extent that Gato and Jado get involved in G1 matches. That's true, but they, Phantasmo had a lot of shenanigans in his matches. Right. Well, the, well he, he, he cheats a lot by himself. He cheats a lot by himself. I don't think we'll see, you know, Bullet Club interference from other people. I think he might try and find ways to bend and break the rules um, in his matches. Yeah, yeah, he's going to cheat for sure. Uh, next question from Twitter. And, you know, Ishimori does cheat from time to time in his matches. Yeah, too. occasionally, yeah. Uh, next question from Twitter user at Tweeter Ain't Shit. He says, out of the newcomers in the Super J Cup, 
Who do you see sticking around in JPW? Oh, that's a great question. So, I mean, um, to be honest with you, well, let's just go through it. I mean, Amazing Red. Uh, I think it's a slim chance. Honestly, I, I really think it depends on how the match goes, how he feels, and he if he thinks he can has uh, one more run in him. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no for right now. Um. Then we got a uh, TJP. Sorry, I got distracted. Someone in our group chat just sent something out that says Joe versus Cesaro. I'm like. Samoa Joe and Cesaro wrestling right now? Yeah, in the first round of the uh, King of the Ring. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't usually pay much attention to that, but I might, I might need to, I might need to see that. Uh, actually, the, the King of the Ring tournament, some of the first round matches look pretty good. Well, we're marked for tournaments, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, back to uh, I think Amazing Red's an easy no. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, TJP, I think is a, a yes. I, I think, think that's a yes. Yeah. I mean, he's not signed anywhere. He's been doing um, shows for Impact lately. Um, I think that's honestly the most likely yes. Especially, you know, being a former L.A. Dojo from the original L.A. Dojo and, you know, having New Japan experience um, in the past, I think TJB could be a lock. And then... I mean, we got Jonathan Gresham, but we kind of know the deal. He's an ROH guy. Right. And then everybody else is uh, CMLL. Yeah. And, I mean, we kind of... The, the reality is the only one who has a... Sobrano Jr. and Christico are probably not going to be long-term guys here. Um, and dra- we know what the deal is with Dragon Lee. Like, if, if he is, we're going to get a similar run like we did this past year, which was great. But ultimately, he's not a New Japan guy. Right. Uh, next question from... Great question, though. Um, Twitter follower, at CroftyGirl23, our, our, girl, our girl Lisa, who we met in uh, Dallas. She says, how excited are y'all for Red and Osprey? Jeremy. What up, Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. What? You're the bro, you're the amazing red man. Oh, you're saying for me to answer the question? Yeah. Dude, I I'm super excited for this, man. Well, I, I want to say what's up to Lisa. <laughs> uh you know, people have been throwing out the amazing red clips um this past week, man, and, and just so great, man. I like I said I've been, I was watching TNA from the early days and saw this this dude amazing red coming out here doing the code reds, doing the infrareds, all the the flip dives, the pescados, the diving shooting stars, all the craziness. You know, so ahead of his time, an innovator of the game, a guy way ahead of his time. Like if Amazing Red was like coming up in this um, era of wrestling, he would be, you know, a top star in promotions all over the world. Um, it's kind of a shame he never really got the top spot he really deserved. So I'm very excited to see him here uh, to ha- have this great, you know, dream match with Will Ospreay. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping it, it, it kind of inspires him to go for one more run. Um, even if it's not with New Japan, I think he would be a guy that would be great for AEW. You know, you listed a lot of his great contributions to the wrestling industry, but you forgot his greatest contribution. What's that? The monster, Crimson. Oh, my gosh. His, his a brother, Crimson? His brother, Crimson. Oh, my gosh. Yo, he was he was kind of good. He used to do cravats. Crimson was all right for big dude. I, you know what? I, I watched him. I didn't. Like, he was bad, but I was like, he's not that bad. People right. act like he was real, real, real bad. I, I was like, he's got to look. I mean, don't let don't let Junior see him. <laughs> Make him champion and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, I'm really, really excited for this. I'm, I'm a mark for... You know, these backstage, not backstage, but, you know, like stories that just kind of span like 
I'm a mark for a good story. And this one has a really great story. This is going to be the tearjerker. This is going to be the I'm sorry, I love the match <laughs> of the tournament. Um, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what Red still has to give, what he's still made of. He looks like he's in phenomenal shape. That render that they've got of him, he looks, he looks jacked. <laughs> yeah, he looks he great. Looks huge. <laughs> um, actually, I do wonder. That's the one thing. Amazing Red, to me, was always one of the smallest yeah. guys. I, I wonder, even in today's non-quote-unquote, you know, um, biased against, you know, they don't have a size bias, I still wonder if he even in today in his prime could get over with because of how small he I was. I mean, we got Marco Stunt out here getting over. Not the same thing. That, that's, that's not the same thing. Marco Stunt is not liked because he's a good wrestler. Like, that's an ironic thing. I hate Marco Stunt. I hate, bro. <laughs> I wish she'd get amazing. I, I wish she'd get code redded. Like I can't stand oh, that is not Josh Smith's pro wrestling. Sir. <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, this match is probably going to be really, 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 really good. Um, yeah. Super All excited. Right. Next question from our boy Maserati. He said the G1 surprised a lot of people with its booking. Some of the brackets here look predictable with Osprey defeating red Taguchi. Defeating Gresham and oh, Maserati <laughs> agreed with me on Tooch. <laughs> Romero defeating Soberano Jr. Or would Gato allow some of the foreigner slash non contracted wrestlers to go over? Well, well TJ Perkins is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's possible. Um, I'd be surprised if it was red, though. Yeah. Red is out of all the guys in that first round, I think has the least percentage of moving forward. Um, At least, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could hypothetically see Soberano winning or even... Um, obviously, I think Christico's winning. And Gresham's also... A po- those are all possibilities. That I don't... I would say they're l- more likely to lose, most of them, except Christico. Right. But um, Amazing Red is highly unlikely, in my opinion. You know, I think we could get some upsets. Like you said, you know, maybe Ishimori does get through and beats Osprey in that second round. Um there's always potential for upsets in these tournaments. Yep. Uh, next question from uh, Muzza. He says, do you see any first-round shocks in the Super J Cup? What's a Zachary Shiloh? Uh, that's the next person's name who got uh, mixed up in his question, his second question. Oh. Because <laughs> he's... <laughs> Because the way it's written out, uh, you, you, you had to read the botch on air. I was just going to read the next question without acknowledging that I. Yo, this is hilarious. <laughs> Do you think the winner will get a Zachary Shiloh? <laughs> the heck's a Zachary Shiloh? <laughs> what is the winner? Oh, is the winner going to get an IWGP junior title shot? Is that what yeah, he's asking? Yeah, at, at King of Pro Wrestling. So the first, first question is <laughs> Do you see any first round shocks in the Super J Cup? <laughs> That's not funny. Oh my god. Anyways, um first round shocks. First round shocks. Um show would be beating Ishimori would be a huge shock to me. Yeah. Uh I mean Connor's beating TJP would be a shock to me. That's not happening. That's not, yeah. I mean honestly, I think the the Eagles Phantasmo, like I mean either That's guy could fifty fifty. Either guy could win, but it's gonna kind of be an upset either way, because either guy should be going for, far in this tournament. I'm, I wouldn't, that's, no, like, Bushi beating Crisco would be a huge upset. Yeah. Uh, 
so Burano Jr. beating Rocky Romero would be a huge upset. Yeah. Yo beating, beating Dragon. Dragon Lee would be a gigantic upset. Yeah. And most of them I say no. Yeah. I think this is going to be pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and the second part of his question, do you think the winner will get an IWGP junior title shot at King of Pro Wrestling? Yes. Yeah, potentially. Makes the most sense in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, set up your junior title match right there. You don't have to do much going forward there. Uh, so next question from uh, Zachary Shiloh on Twitter. He says, should Amazing Red versus Osprey been saved as a semifinal or actual final? Opening round match. It needed to be an opening round match. It it do, it shouldn't have been either of those things. Yeah, I mean, as much as I love Amazing Red, I, I would have loved to seen more than one red match in this tournament. Um, probably the right thing to go. Since he's not contracted, there's probably no signs of him being there for the future. Have your big dream match, main event of night one, um, and then, you know, send him home after that. Yeah, to us, it's a very big deal to have Amazing Red in the tournament, and it's a win-win for New Japan because it brings an outsider with name value and some eyes on him uh, into the fold. But, you know, it it wouldn't make a lot of sense to have Amazing Red beat another guy to progress in this tournament to go against Will Ospreay. You could do, obviously you could do the whole nostalgia run, you know, and that that that's fine, but he's not a New Japan guy, so that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I think with it being a first-round match, where where is the first round taking place anyways? First round taking place in uh, Seattle. And and isn't that or like, Tacoma, actually. Isn't that sort of like an important place for Amazing Red anyways? Yeah, in that uh, Defy area. Yeah, it's like the, the whole Defy deal, yeah. so... I think that that makes the most sense. It's probably going to be the main event that night. They're going to get the most time. They're going to get tons of eyes on them. And if this is his quote-unquote final match, which there's a good chance it will be, you don't want it to be a semifinal or a final. An opening match makes sense. Remember when we first heard this match was announced and I said it's going to be an opening round match? Yeah. For all I said that because of all these reasons. It, I think that they made the perfect choice to make it a first-round match. And in all honesty... It is benefiting New Japan, but they are kind of doing Will Ospreay a favor, even holding the match. Right? Yeah, Will went to bat for the for getting Red in here and getting this match. Yeah, and who knows? Like Jeremy, you might be right. This might not be his final match. This might be the start of something. You know, we've we see what we saw happen with PCO this past couple right. years. Right, and I mean Red's only like 36, 37. Like, yeah, he's not old. Like, he, well, I mean, in ring years, I guess he is, but right. he's not an old. Guy. Right. Yeah. He can. He can still go. Yeah. Uh, next question from Rambone Slam Pig. Does the cooperation slash co promotion, <clears throat> excuse me, with the co- cooperation and co promotion with Defy around the Super J Cup show signify a possible change in the Ring of Honor relationship? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. It just happens to be that you know, first show is in Seattle. That's the home of Defy. I just think there's working with that promotion there. And you know getting some of their guys on those shows Yeah I mean um, I I think them working with uh, You know Regional independent scene Companies is not anything close To working with Ring of Honor Right I'm pretty sure Ring of Honor works With regional independent Scene indies I think probably the real Indication about Their relationship with ROH Is them taking all Their bookings (laughs) <laughs> yeah, running, selling out all their buildings, running their buildings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the real indication. But uh, no, that's a great question. 
And then the last uh, Super J Cup question comes from our boy Rich Latta. He says, can you guys rename the participants of this Super J Cup like that was in WCW vs. the World or World Tour? For example, Dragon Lee could be Komodo G, uh, Bill Ocean Spray, etc. Oh, my God. I'm not good at this sort of <laughs> thing, but this this is, like, I'm smiling because this is a hilarious, uh, this is a hilarious, like, request. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you play those games, right? Yeah. I, I think Amazing Red could be, like, Phenomenal Rojo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's funny. Phenomenal uh, Rojo. Uh, El Phantasmo could be uh, uh, the, the Phantom, maybe. Yeah, yeah, the Phantom makes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Bushi could just be, you know, Death Mask, that's his nickname, the, uh, Def, the Jet Black Death Mask. Yo, Jeremy's like the ace of this game right now, <laughs> like, holy crap. Uh, let's see, um, Gresham, um, I guess maybe uh, Johnny Octopus, I don't know. <laughs> oh, actually, that's, that's, that's a great name. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I like the uh, Komodo G that Rich came up with. I think it's Gi. Gi for uh, for Dragon Lee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Komodo uh, Lee or Komodo Gi, yeah. Um, let's see, Rocky Romero. Um, hmm. They could just call him... Um, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dwayne Romero. <laughs> no, what? who's the other wrestler that he manages? Showing you? They could, he could just be El Chico Luchador. Oh, El Chico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chico. <laughs> El Chico Luchador. Uh, um, God, I'm not good at this, bro. Like, see, ta- uh, Taiji Ishimori, he could be a uh, skeleton. The skeleton or skeleton man. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, cause Bone Soldier. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Eagles. Uh, maybe he could be uh, the Birdman. <laughs> Bro, I'm terrible at this. <laughs> I'm I'm like literally trying to come up with like some names, and I'm like, what? <laughs> God, I feel like I'm losing a round of a trivia <laughs> game. Like I'm getting smoked right now. Um, yeah, I, it would take me a long time to do this. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to make everyone <laughs> have to, um, Taguchi ass man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ass man. Bam, bam. I love to kick him. <laughs> I love to stick him. Oh my gosh. Have you ever, did you ever see that, um, being the elite where they all sang that song? Yeah. Together? <laughs> it's hilarious. They uh, love that song so much. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, classic wrestling theme, man. Snow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I can't. Uh, uh, for TJP, I'm trying to think of something like video game related. Yeah, I was thinking about when he used to do dabs. Yeah, uh, eight it bit eight bit dab man, <laughs> eight bit dabber. I don't know <laughs> the the mega mega dabber, bro. I I, I literally can't <laughs> do this. I suck at this so bad. Like uh, this is one of my greatest failures on the air. Like this sucks. Right. But this is this is hilarious. Like I love this so much. Um, I think you guys should hit us up with your guys' names. Yeah. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, WCW versus the World or WCW uh, NWO World Tour. These were games where they were incorporating Japanese pro wrestlers, but then they would change their names so that you didn't know that they were actually 
like using the real like the real likenesses of different pro wrestlers. So they would just give them generic sounding pro wrestling names. So y'all do that for this tournament. Yeah, hit us up at Ki Strong Style on Twitter with your suggestions. The funny thing is, like Rich, Rich came up with this, but like you know, he came up with names for all sixteen. <laughs> he already has sixteen names loaded, loaded, yeah. ready <laughs> to go. We don't even know what they are. It's hilarious. All right, so uh, now we have some off-topic questions. I have a question. Yeah. So when? What are the dates on this tournament again? Yes. So the first round will be happening August twenty-second in Tacoma, Washington. Then the second day will be August 24th in San Francisco. And then the finals will take place the next day, August 25th, Los Angeles. So this is all taking place before next week's show, but we're not going to have been able to probably watch any of it. Right. That sucks. I know. And we can't even watch it on Fight TV because it's only live. Right. Yeah, it's not airing on Fight TV. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be on tape delay. I don't think any of it will be up by the time we record next week. We might need to hit up Karen. She's, I think she's going to all the shows. Yeah. Kind of get a uh, live uh, report from her. Might need that. Might need that. And uh, real quick, I'm also just going to go through uh, some of the other matches that are happening on night one. Um, so the first match is going to be Carl Fredericks in Jushin Thunder Liger um, going up against Ren Narita and Shota Umino. Hmm. And let's see. It looks like that's the only undercard match. Yep, that's the only undercard, and then the rest of tournament matches. For the first night, that's yep. the one with Liger? Yep. Nice. So, yeah, and then everything else will be to be determined on the last night. I know uh, Juice and Jay Robinson and Naito. Um, I said Jay Robinson. I mean, Jay White um, and Naito will be in action as well. So, so next week we'll be giving our coverage of Royal Quest. Yeah, we'll be doing Royal Quest preview. Nice. All right, so now we've got some off-topic questions, and then we'll jump into the news and the recommended match. Um, so first comes from Reddit user Tiny Sausage Factory. If you had to fight a wrestler in real life, who would you choose? Slash, who do you think you could beat? And who would be the wrestler you'd least like to fight? <laughs> oh, my God. If there was one wrestler that you'd like, like, that you could fight, like that... Well, I would only fight someone that I thought I could beat. Exactly. I'm not going to pick a fight with somebody I can't beat. Gato? <laughs> Jato. <laughs> um, my, uh, man, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't want no smoke. <laughs> Bro, like, if, if I got into a fight, I would just pull guard. <laughs> and that's all I would do. I would just hold them. I would just pull guard and hold them and be like, it's not worth it, brother. It's not worth it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the New Japan guys, I wouldn't really want to mess with anybody, really. God, think about it. Shooter would fuck you up. <laughs> and I, I even think of like guys like Bushi. He'll shoot like mist in your face. I was like, Liger? Nah. You try and fight Yano, that man's going to tape you up, low blow you. Yeah, I don't think I would want to. I don't think I want to fight anybody. I fight Marco Stunt. Oh, I'd kick the crap out of Marco <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, so it's it doesn't have to be. An, did he say he, oh, he didn't any specify, wrestler? He said any wrestler. I know for a fact I could beat up Joey Janela. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That man can't fight. Like yeah, I, we've seen the clips. We've seen the clips. I guarantee you, bro. Yo, I'd fight Enzo. I wouldn't fight Enzo. I would not fight. Yo, Enzo. I'll take that man down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
shoot on that man midnight ride yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah no i'd i, I kind of like joey janelle but I, if it if it came down to it things go south yeah i, I would work him bro <laughs> throw my jab point to uh, knees hit him with the judas effect yeah i, I over as far as i would least like to fight i would not want to fight suzuki i would not want to fight ishii Pretty much anybody that's been a former never champion, I want no smoke. Davy Boy Smith. Yeah, Lance Archer. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Shingo. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. No smoke with any of those dudes. Um, yeah, I'm even thinking about like almost everybody. <laughs> yeah. Almost everybody. Um, next question comes from our boy Sir Sam. He said, what is the percentage chance Suzuki screws up everyone's plans and beats Okada for the IWGP title? I kind of want him to win just to add some chaos to the title scene that feels a little pre- predictable for the next few months. Um, I'd put it less than 5%. I would go to, I, I think, to me, it seems like a clear, easy title win for Okada. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you could do that, but I mean, do you... I understand where you're coming from, Sir Sam, but then what happens? Because it's like, okay, well, are we going to hot shot the most prestigious championship in all of pro wrestling, um, you know, onto somebody else in October at King of Pro Wrestling? Or are we going to keep it on Suzuki all the way to the dome? You think Minoru Suzuki is going to the dome with the title? Like, come on, it's it's not happening. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But it's like there's a reason that this title is so prestigious, and it's because they don't do bullshit with it. And yeah. that would kind of, unless they had some immaculate storyline, that would kind of be bullshit in a way. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Reddit user Asai Yo Jimbo. He says, I, I asked a Tiger Mask question a while back, and Josh was gone. When Excursion. The, <laughs> when the current Tiger Mask retires, who takes his place and why? Does he stick with the existing interpretation of the gimmick as a traditional approach, or should the new Tiger Mask be a co- contemporary take on that character? Well, that's a really interesting question because no one seems to have def- a definitive answer about who really owns the rights to the Tiger Mask gimmick. Um, you know, the original Tiger Mask, which is, oh my God. Why do I forget names on the <laughs> bro? This is like last week when I forgot uh, Kazushi Sakuraba's name on the yeah. air, and that bro, I was pissed at myself for doing <laughs> that. Um, who's the original Tiger Mask? His his name, his real name is like blanking for me right now. Also, he freaking uh, started Shudo. Everybody's like yelling at their. Uh, no, a lot of people are listening. They don't know either. <laughs> Satoru Sayama. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm an idiot. Anyways, so Sayama has licensed and used the Tiger Mask gimmick and name for other wrestlers in over the past few years. The other thing, too, is Tiger Mask 4, the current Tiger Mask, um, you know, I believe comes from Michinoku Pro originally and was trained by Sayama, did not gain that gimmick or name through any particular company like New Japan or All Japan. He it was years later after the fact that he became a New Japan mainstay. That being the case, though, in the past few years, 
Uh, New Japan had the Tiger Mask W uh, anime. They licensed that gimmick. They did merch. They sold stuff. So I'm not totally sure who has real ownership and rights over it. Um, Sayama has actually appointed the Tiger Mask 5 to um, uh, Manoa Man. I forget Manoa Man's real real fight name. He's a, he's an MMA fighter, and he, for a short period of time, was the... Um, was also a Tiger Mask. Yeah, uh, Ikuhisa Manoa, also known as Manoa Man, who's like a prolific MMA fighter. He he's ti- he was Tiger Mask 5, so there's already been a, another Tiger Mask. And there have also been some other one-shots and off-shots that have had the Tiger Mask gimmick. Right. In uh, most recent years, we had uh, Tiger Mask W, that, that, that new Tiger Mask anime, which uh, Kota Ibushi played uh, Tiger Mask W, and you had um, the arch nemesis of Tiger the Dark that was played by ACH. Yeah, so I don't know if it's really up to New Japan at all, whether they can assign someone as a new Tiger Mask or even um, the direction of a character like that because I think Tiger Mask W is an actual licensed thing in and of itself separate from Tiger Mask. I think that Sayama has the the rights to it. I could be wrong, but I'm... I feel pretty confident that that's the case, mm. but I don't know for sure. Um, the other thing too is like, I think every single person who's ever done the gimmick has donned their own interpretation and their own mystique about it. The funny thing is that um, Tiger Mask 4, the current Tiger Mask, is the the only one who really reverted back to the roots of Sayama's interpretation of the character and so, you know, because, I mean, uh, Koji Kanemoto didn't do that. Neither did Mizawa. They kind of did their own version of it. So, I mean, if someone else took over the gimmick, I think they could go either way, really, if they wanted to. Um, but I don't know who, who should take over the character or if that will even happen, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so, next question comes from Reddit user Bravo Tango Zulu says, since Naito didn't win the G1, will Naito main event one of the nights of Wrestle Kingdom defending his white belt? The white belt has main evented Wrestle Kingdom in the past, and it would tie in with Naito's story, considering the last time it main evented, it took Naito's spot. If he does, it would likely be against Jay White. Uh, Jay is likely to have a spot and has earned his championship match by beating Naito. The problem would be that that means both nights will be main evented by matches we saw in the G1. Hmm... So are we ready to have a discussion about Naito? Is that the point in this uh I get, this I get, podcast that we've gotten to? I guess so. Okay. So we still have some grave reservations about this whole thing that's been that's moving forward. If if Naito and Okada are done, then why are they protecting that match? Why do they protect it for over almost two years now? Right. That's the one that is the one thing that we're sitting here like, what what's happening? Yeah. You know, I've been hearing a lot of people have been throwing out theories and scenarios of a a mini tournament that could happen. You know, on night one you have Okada, Bushi, and Naito and Jay White. And then those two winners will face each other on the second night. Both belts on the line, um, so you could have Okada beat Abushi and Naito beat Jay, and then you do Okada Naito the second night for both belts. 
you could have Abushi versus Naito for both belts second night. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people kind of fancy booking and throwing that scenario out there. Right. Well, over the past year, almost a year ago, actually over a year ago, I remember when they did a, they were doing those um, New Japan World uh, interviews. They were called like WrestleLand interviews with wrestlers. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Wonderland. The Wonderland. They stopped yeah. doing those. But I remember one of the first ones was Tanahashi was talking about his goals for the year, and he said he wanted to be the IC champion and the IWGP champion, and that he wanted to carry both belts and be the the champion of the white and the black, you, unite this country, <laughs> heal us from this oppression. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh man! But um, he was the first person I ever saw actually mention that, and then. He was gone and got injured and all that sort of stuff. And then Naito kind of brought it back up. And it kind of made me wonder when Naito started saying it, I was like, was that what they were going to do with Tanahashi before? And then they kind of had to abandon it. Because, it, like, no one talks about that. But I remember that interview very clearly. That was the first time I ever heard it. And then, obviously, the whole storyline with Naito. And now, after winning the G1, um, Abushi magically has the same statement. Now... We've talked about this before. Guys, when they're doing these interviews, sometimes just say whatever they want to say. Right. They shoot from the hip. They shoot. They're, they're shooting partner. So, I mean, this could literally be nothing. It could literally just be these guys having no direction. Just go out there and say some cool stuff. I want to be double champion. Oh, that's great. Never going to happen. <laughs> but, um, you know, the fact that the title is still on Naito and he didn't win the G1, and they've been protecting the Okada match for so long. This just puts them in a kind of a precarious situation. I actually really like the idea of a mini tournament. And there are some appealing reasons why that might work out well, because let's say hypothetically you did do that, you know? It keeps your four four of your biggest guys in the mix. Right. Jay White, Naito, Abushi, and Okada, and you can have a double headliner with two on the first night. You would have a double headliner with two matches that he's absolutely right. We got both of those in the G1. Right. But now with them being repaid matches, they're not just title matches. They're also eliminators for the main event of the second night. So there's an added emphasis. So it elevates the importance of those matches. And then you get, and then at that point, you've paid off the promise to Ibushi, giving him a main event at Wrestle Kingdom for the title. Whether he wins or not, I don't know. Um, and then you also keep your other two big stars in play and you don't make the IC title feel undermined. Now, I think fans might be setting themselves up for a heartbreak. Right. People are trying to work out scenarios for Naito to get in this main event. Yeah, I think that that's almost, you know, sometimes the easiest route is the most likely and logical, and this seems a little convoluted. But with the only reason I'm a little inclined to think that it's possible is because what he said, we already saw these matches. We don't know who the real challenger will even be for Naito's belt to begin with, or if he'll even be champion come Wrestle Kingdom time. Right. But if he was, that, that this kind of does make sense. And the one reason I'm kind of inclined to think that maybe this is a possibility is just because the two Tokyo Dome nights. Right, yeah. The, the second night throws a whole wrench in everything. 
and you know doing the tournament thing you'll still you'll have a iwgp title match on january 4th traditionally okada abushi but then you follow up with that big title for title match on the second night and it gives you a compelling reason another reason i think it's a good idea it gives you a compelling reason to have two title matches on two dome shows consecutively without some sort of mini tournament like this there's not really a good reason for why uh okada considering he he'll probably be champion should even defend the belt twice in a row if 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 they don't do something like this my opinion is have him headline one night and have someone else headline the other night right that's a better way to go yeah but i kind of like this idea and also it's not uncommon for new japan to have done things like this there have been many times where they've done mini tournaments uh surrounding the iwgp title in one night or two night scenarios this wouldn't be the first time they've ever done that so that's another reason why i'm thinking that is a possibility and it it basically just keeps everybody in play in the mix and gives them very important matches on those final nights that's a very smart way to go i just i don't know that they're actually doing this right yeah I mean, it would be great if it happens, but once again, it's kind of one of those things like, is it really going to happen? Are we trying to put our, you know, our hopes and dreams in this basket, hoping that it comes true, and then January 4th rolls around and it doesn't? Um, but again, like we said, that one key is the Okada-Naito match. Like, New, New Japan protects matches for a reason. And, I mean, a lot of people have been awesome saying, you know, maybe they hold it off until Dominion because um, Osaka-Joe Hall next year, and you have... Naito win it there, but to me, to do that match needs to happen at, at the dome, and Naito beating Okada. One other thing, though, one thing that does give me pause: this match is so "quote unquote" protected, right? Right. Do you protect it all this time to just give it away as a possible match, but not an announced match ahead of time? Mm, good point. I mean. From a booking standpoint, the story's phenomenal. Yeah. The story's great. You know, Naito was out. He defended his belt. The whole history between the two of them and the IC title and, and Wrestle Kingdom, all that surrounding that is great. And then if he does end up redeeming himself and facing Okada, whether he whether he beats Okada or not, that's besides the point. That's a fantastic story from a, from like a fan perspective. From a business perspective... I don't know if you sell out a second night at the Dome based on the possibility of maybe, hopefully, we get one of these matches. Yeah. Or maybe it's just the fact that these four guys are big enough stars that the tournament itself is the draw and it doesn't matter either way. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm that gives me pause to think that if it, this is so protected, don't you think you would announce it way ahead of time? Yeah, that's a great it? point. You think you would announce it, have a month's promotion to sell out a dome? Although they <laughs> yeah, could man. tip their they could tip their hat and have them in multi man matches, have them in promotional material, and really like have people thinking from the get go. Right, there is a good chance that this is what it will be, anyways. Right. And then, and then you kind of work your way around that. That's a possibility. Right. And this is something that I thought of, and I haven't heard anyone else say. And I'm like, well, would you even do that if you couldn't really promote it? Right. Doesn't make sense. Um. Aside from that, I mean, we're we're already on the topic with with Naito in the dome. I mean, what are you thinking? 
Like, what, what do you what do you see as his like trajectory from here on out? I don't even know because they they're already teasing Jay White stuff. They're going to be in an undercard tag on Royal Quest. I oh yeah, that's one thing I wanted to say. I'm not excited for that match. That that tag match. No, I'm not excited for a potential Jay White and Naito, Naito match based mm-hmm. off of what we just saw. Right. And w- with them already kind of teasing undercard stuff this month, I'm like, is that a match that happens at Destruction? We got three Destruction shows. You got to have some title matches on those shows. Um, so, I mean, do they go ahead and just do Jay White, Naito at one of the Destruction shows and then both those guys have something else for the Dome? Um, and if that's if that's the way they go, I mean, I'm I'm guessing Nigel just walks in with the white strap and defends against somebody. I also had this thought that you know, I guess the reason I kind of thought that Naito winning both belts. Okay, like you said, when did you say that some people have uh, said he should win the belt going forward, like next year? What do you mean? You mentioned that there was a show that they needed to fill out next year. Oh, uh, Dominion. Dominion. Yeah. That, to me, would, I mean, that'd be fine, and I'm guess that would probably appease some fans, but that really doesn't, that's not the story. The story surrounding him and Okada has everything to do with Wrestle Kingdom, has everything to do with that IC belt and that IWGP belt, has everything to do with their feud. Right. I mean, it would be poetic justice for him to win the IWGP title and retain the IC title at the Dome beating Okada. Well, the reason that to me that that was something of importance, you go back to the 90s and you look at Muto, Chono, and Hashimoto. Hashimoto is considered like the champion of strong style, the the guy that won all those different style fights. Uh, You know, the stiff, like he, up until Nagata and and, um, Tanahashi was the longest reigning, most defending, most accomplished champion IWGB champion in the history of the company. That's kind of what he hung his hat on. And then you had Muto who kind of even transcended that just from the fact that he's, he's Muto. He's the great Muda. He's one of the biggest generational stars attractions. And he had these, you know, he won all these G ones and he, you know, was just probably the most transcendent star of, of the three of them in general. Then you look at Chono, who I think is a really good contemporary to what Naito has been in recent years. Super mega mega popular, but not quite the ace. The guy that's kind of been edged out by his contemporaries who are a little bit more accomplished than him, but right, always right in the mix. Right. And the reality is Chono only, and the funny thing is also Chono has always called Naito the dark ace. And when he was in the company, he called himself the dark ace. Like, the ace who's like just in, kind of in the shadow of the real true aces. That's kind of what how he's always referred to Naito. Um, you look at Naito's career, and in many ways it mimics Chono's in the sense that he's had so many accomplishments. You 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 could never say this guy hasn't had a Hall of Fame career or been a pushed commodity or been given a, mu- a bunch because both of them were. But Chono only ever had one IWGP title reign, and it was very short, and that was it. Kind of the thing that made him seen as being so legendary in the contemporary eyes of his peers was he was Mr. August. He was Mr. G1. 
He won the, the G1 Climax mm-hmm. five different times. Nobody has even, the closest anybody's ever come to that is three. Um, and only two guys have done it. So he kind of had that one distinction that really separated him from from Muto and Hashimoto. Mm-hmm. To me, given everything that we know about the story of Naito and his progression and this feud and everything, him winning both the IC and the IWGB title would be sort of in light, like in the same vein and and line as Chono winning the the G one five times. Like this guy has held both of the major singles titles at the same time at the dome, and no one has ever done that. That would right. be like the one thing he could like hang his hat on and kind of elevate him because he's never gonna have an Okada or a Tanahashi title reign. Right, that's the thing. Like, even if he wins the IWGP title, I'm sure he'll have a nice reign, but it won't be as long as Okada's last monster title reign. I don't even know if it's as long as Kenny's last reign. Mm, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't think that they're ever going to go that way with this guy. And you know what's funny? I don't know that... Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not on Twitter, so I don't know what the what the LIJ and Naito fans feel like, but... It does to me. It doesn't seem like they're calling for him to do that. They're just calling for him to have this one moment in the dome to establish him as the main guy. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought they were gonna do. Seems like they're not going to, and it's fine if if it just never happens and we we just say they passed the peak when they should have done it. Then then they passed the peak. It's fine. But um, that's why this seemed to make so much logical sense to me, and why I'm still a little hung up thinking like, are they not gonna do that? Because it seems to, like, write itself. It's right, right There's there. so many story elements to pull from that. And why is Ibushi mentioning the IC belt if if they're not going that way? You right, know I mean? yeah. They're, they're like planting seeds. Um, I could see maybe a possibility, though, where the IC belt headlined one of those two nights as, like... The secondary. Yeah, because what if, what if like, they do that as... what? Okay, so what if they don't go the IWGP title route with Naito, but to kind of maybe pay him back, they have him headline over the IWGP title as a make good on what happened to him all those years ago at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. I thought about that. That's a possibility. I don't know if they actually do that, but it's a possibility. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. They, they definitely could do that. So what, what would you do with the white belt if you have somebody walk away with both titles? Do you unify it or just separate defenses of both? I don't think you unify it um, simply because it has too much value. Um, it's it, it's a much more valuable belt based on the lineage and based on the uh, perception with the New Japan audience. You kind of need that to sell out those secondary shows. Yeah. You know, that's a very prestigious secondary belt. So, no, I would probably have whoever's the champion – should probably defend them separately, kind of like what they did with the the uh, when they unified those ROH and New Japan belts this past year. Well, not unified, what, but uh, had double, d- champion. double champs. Yeah, have them drop it separately. Yeah, but then again, that is a precarious situation because do you want your IWGP champion dropping the IC title? If you were gonna do that, I guess Naito's the guy. He's already taking so many losses. He's the one guy that could probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't think you want Okada dropping IC titles to guys or, or Bushi. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this, you know, fall season and going on the road to the Dome, it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out. 
you know, see how the briefcase defenses roll out, how what Naito, I think the real key is what, what Naito does this fall is going to be a big picture of what's going to happen. Is there anyone in particular that you'd like, let's say, let's say they don't do any of this. Let's say they go the likely route, the traditional route, and Naito probably just ends up in a major match or a headlining match with the IC belt. Who would you like to see him face at Wrestle Kingdom? And we've got a long time to build it. So, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I, I would like it to be a fresh matchup against a big star. But there really aren't any. Right. They, they already blew the Mox match in the G1. He's already faced Jericho. The only guy I can think of that would maybe be big enough name and make. But they're not going to do this because they've already got a story for him probably. But Kenta's the one guy I could think of. Mm. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, you could do other great matches. You could do like a Shingo match. Yeah, Shingo. You could do Ishii. You could do the Yeah, you could do those matches. But I don't know. Do you headline with those? I guess Shingo would make sense, but that's an LIJ match. Yeah. Sonata. Like most of the guys that you might think about elevating to that level and headline with him are LIJ guys. Would you go juice? I don't know. Yeah, not 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 a headlining spot. Yeah. Who from that A block would you put him up against? Kent is the one guy that he hasn't really had a match with yet. They gave away a lot of they gave away a lot, a lot of, of first time matches. First time yeah. protected matches in the G one this year. I guess you could do mocks if you were inclined to, but again Could could you do Osprey? Osprey Naito? You could if in in very hypothetical mystical world, <laughs> um, but he would have to have had dropped the junior, IWGP yeah. junior title before then, and then be real rebuilt up in enough time to be a viable contender. That match would actually probably be fantastic. Uh, what Osprey Naito? Probably, yeah, yeah. That's kind of why I think this mini tournament makes so much kind of like in a way it's. I think some people look at it and think it's a little convoluted, but then again, I think to myself, what else are they going to do? Right. And once again, it helps kind of build up that second dome show. Like you're going to see for the first time somebody walk away with uh, both titles. Yep. All right. Anything else on Naito? No, those, those are my thoughts. All right. Next question from Reddit user Eater of Bread. Given the expectation that WWE will soon move to tiered pricing on their network with the likes of Evolve and Progress on the upper tier, would you be in favor of New Japan doing something similar? I personally wouldn't mind paying a bit extra for a version of New Japan World that included promotions like Rev Pro or even Stardom on top of what we get now, as long as the additional exposure didn't come at the cost of their autonomy. Uh, hell Yeah. Yes, I would be all in on a souped-up New Japan world with some tears. Yeah, get get you some Rev Pro on there. Get some Dragon Gate on there. Um, you know, all Japan. Well, I don't think they would do Dragon Gate because Dragon Gate already has their own deal, and mm. they. The reality is, they wouldn't do most likely any other Perazu company, right? Um, because they're they're they are in an exclusionary period of their company's history where they're not working with Noah, they're not working with all Japan. They're not working with dragon gate. They're not working with, you know, R big Japan or any of these companies, but R 
having Red Pro on there, definitely a possibility. Having Stardom on there, definitely a possibility. Yeah, Rossi Ogawa is all about making money. So you you get Rossi and uh, Harold May together in a room. I'm sure they'll they'll cut a deal. I mean, could you get like Defy or CMLL or? I mean, they already yeah. kind of have CMLL. On yeah, there. they have CMLL on there, but kinda. yeah, kinda. But to get it like fully on there and like, yeah, that would be dope. And like have Ring of Honor shows on there too. That would that would actually bolster their relationship quite a bit if they were able to do that. Right. Um, what if? I'm just throwing this out there. I know, I know, people are probably sick of hearing this, but what if? the quote-unquote AEW relationship took off and they were able to kind of use that as a streaming service for both companies. That that could be potential, but I, for some reason, I just feel like AEW would want to own, they would want to be the key, like the main owner of the streaming service and have New Japan as a feature. Well, they, they're using, what, BR Live? Right. Uh, yeah, they're on BR Live as part of the TNT deal. But BR Live doesn't really, they're not archiving this stuff and offering it as a. Well, um, Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen are on there. You oh, can, really? You can rewatch those. For free right now? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm just wondering if they, I'm just wondering what they do for streaming because major companies have to have streaming. Right. And I, and I think if you pay for a pay-per-view on BR, I think you can rewatch it. That's cool. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that one. I'll have to double check on that, but... I know how to watch those. <laughs> I don't need BR Live to watch <laughs> uh, I know how to do that. <laughs> uh, next question from Reddit user Dino Boy. He says, hypothetically, if Nakamura was to return, where would he fit into the modern New Japan landscape? At the very tip, tip, top, he would be IWGP champion. <laughs> uh, I don't think he'd be IWGP champion. I think he... No, Jeremy, if... If Shinsuke Nakamura came back to New Japan, he'd be IWGP champion. You think so? I guarantee it. I guarantee. Bro, he's in WWE. He's like a star. He won the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Yes. They would make him IWGP champion. Now, he wouldn't be the ace of the company, but he would come in and he would beat the champion. For sure. I don't know. I, f- I don't know. I feel like he would still wind back up in the IC uh, kind of lane. Bro, they would make so much money. Bro, Nakamura shows up and beats Okada for the title. That would that would be huge money. And they're and they're former Chaos stablemates and, you know, best friends and all that. And, yeah, he would be IWGP champion. There is literally no doubt in my mind. I would bet anything that he would be. For sure, I mean it'd be a great business move, but I just I don't know. I'm not as confident as you, but I I could see them doing that. Yeah, I mean he's like he's had so much time off, the 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 cachet that he had with the fans before he left, and what he would have on a return, and he'd be a monster heel probably at, at on, in some regards to some of the fan base as well. Like I think for sure he'd be IWGP champion, and like I have no doubt about it. Like I'm not I'm not saying he would be again not the ace. I don't know how long that tile reign would be. I don't know how long he could go at that level because obviously the the working style in New Japan is at a different level than it was before. Right. But his charisma, his name cachet, the WWE clout, and the money that could be made, he would be IWGB champion for sure. 
Hey, I, I, I wouldn't mind. They put, the, they put the Talon Tanahashi last this past year because he's the ace. Yeah, they would put the title. Nak- <laughs> they would definitely put the title on Nakamura again. Yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I'd be down for seeing that happen. Um, question from Zach Porter. Another question. He says, aside from his questions last week, thoughts on o- Ocean Spray calling Shingo a coward for staying heavyweight. Oh, also one other thing. They would probably need to do that. The amount of money they'd have to pay him to come back would probably like entail him getting some sort of. They'd probably have to promise him a title run to even get him to come back. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Uh, this thing Zach does is really confusing to me. He he's talking about Will Osprey. Yeah, he calls for for our listeners, our friend Zach Porter, friend of the show. He's not a fan of Will Osprey. He calls him Bill Ocean Spray. And he, what did he say? He said, uh, what are our thoughts on Osprey calling Chingo a coward for uh, going heavyweight? I don't know. Will says a lot of stupid stuff. I don't, I don't really have thoughts on it. Do you have a thought on it? Well, you know, initially I was saying that, you know, before the G1 ended, I, I thought that Osprey and Chingo for the junior title could be a big match or a main event for one of the nights of the Dome. Yeah. So I don't know if that's Osprey kind of... Poking the bear there, then Osprey. I mean, Shingo decides to cut weight to chat to beat Osprey for kind of poking at him, or it's just one of those things where it's one of those shoot from the hips. Osprey said this, but they're not going to pay it off, and Osprey remains a junior and Shingo remains a heavyweight. I think it's just Osprey being petty because he wants to be a heavyweight, but they told him, nah, stay <laughs> down in the juniors. Um, I mean, also getting out ahead of the story. It could be a, a, a never open weight deal. Maybe somehow Shingo gets the never open weight title, and you do Shingo and Osprey for the never title. Then again, Osprey would probably need to lose the junior title, get heated up. Although that's a match you could easily book right out the gate. So, right. um, yeah, I don't really have thoughts on it. I would love to see him run it back. Obviously, yeah. one yeah. of the best matches of the year still. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and that's really saying something considering the G one just passed, yeah. and I still think it's like a top five match of the year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that match so much, and I, it's definitely going to be on our uh, match of the year voting um, coming to the end of the year. I'm I'm hard pressed in my mind to think that anything in the G one was actually better than that. Very very few matches. Same here. Yeah, like that match. Then that's not diminishing the G one. Like that match for, was so good for me. That's like because. Up until then, like my match of the year was still Kenny and Tanahashi. Kenny Tanahashi is still my match of the year, but I don't know that. I don't know. I think that Abushi and uh, I really loved the Abushi and um, Jay White. Jay White match. Like for me, it would be like, like I, it would be a toss up between Kenny and Tanahashi and Osprey and Shingo. Would be like the two that I'm like stuck in between right I now. I think for a lot of people, they feel that way. That's probably true. Uh, next question from uh, at Twitter ain't shit. Says, can you guys see Ibushi beating Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, then get his short title reign that the first ta- first champs usually get, then drop it to Naito at an Osaka show? Because I think Okada is due for a G one one, and it makes sense that Wrestle Kingdom fifteen Naito defends against Okada. Um, I guess you you could do that. Um. I just, I kind of feel like if you're going to put the thing, okay, how do I put this? Abushi's not everybody else. Abushi is not like a young first time guy that they put the towel on he's him. He's not Jay White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not an unestablished, 
unknown commodity, I think once you put the belt on him, you go with him. Right. You give, you, you really you, go you with him. You give him a run. You give him a real run because he's not at that level where he just needs – he's already at that level where most of those guys are trying to get to when they get the belt and they kind of get their first run and they get their feet wet and they're – Abushi's been past that level for years and years and years now already, so that's not where he's at. Like he doesn't need that kind of run. Um, at this point, he needs a legacy-defining, legacy-building IWGP run mm-hmm. that keeps him at that championship title level for years to come. That's where he is at. So I would say no. Um, I don't really see that. Also, I guess if you wanted to shoehorn Naito back into a feud with Okada. By Wrestle Kingdom 15, that's a way you could do it. But the, the reality is, this was the year. If you're not going to do it this year, it does not make sense to me when you've got Jay White, Abushi, Osprey, Osprey Shingo, Shingo, Jay White, Sonata. Robinson, yeah, Sonata. Uh, I met Juice Robinson. Um, these guys are, all these guys are Kenta. You have so many heavy hitters. So many great wrestlers in this company. It's hard for me to imagine that you do that right again. And the, and the story is Naito beating Okada as a challenger. Yeah, it's not. It's not him being the champ and then defending against Okada. Really, right. although I don't think he's wrong. I think Okada could hypothetically be due for a G one. Although, you know, we've seen a couple guys get multiple G one wins in recent years, and it's not unheard of. But like, it's also a lot rarer than I think people realize, and I think it it's fine to go with other people for G1s in the future. Right. And, I mean, with Okada having that monster title reign, like, that's going to define his legacy. He doesn't need I think he's already G1. won it twice. I don't think he needs a third one necessarily. Yeah. I mean, you could do that, and then he'll be tied with, uh, with Tenzan and Tanahashi at that point. But, you know, why give it to him when you could give it to Shingo? Right. You know what I mean? Give it to Ishii. Give it, yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> that's another name that I didn't even list, bro. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. So it's hard for me to imagine that they're gonna go give a prolonged, t- put the title on Abushi to have him drop it to Naito to give Naito a prolonged title reign. That makes no sense yeah. to me. That'd be terrible. Booking. That seems like some bad booking. That'd be bad booking. Seems like some McMahonism. No, that seems like some Lijism. <laughs> that's, that's some. That's some. Uh, some Naito fan stuff. I don't. I don't see that. Uh, next question from Reddit user Jar of Peanuts. What did you guys think of UFC 241? Do you think Daniel Cormier will do anything in the world of pro wrestling? Okay, uh, I watched this show that night. You didn't watch it, right? I did not. I've only seen uh, clips of the Cormier and Stipe. My God, guys! If I if I had time to sit here and talk to you about my night Saturday night after I left the brew bus. We'd be here for a long time. It was I had a crazy day Saturday, but you know, come hell or high water, I ended up being able to watch UFC 241, one of the best shows of the entire year. We're not really an MMA podcast, although those of you who might know, I'm a huge MMA mark. Um, I'll, I'll I'll keep my thoughts real short. One of the best shows of the entire year. Three fantastic wars back to back. I was like just enthralled with. Each and every single fight. If you haven't seen, go out of your way. Paulo Costa versus uh, freaking um, UL Romero. Probably the fight of the night. I don't even know. I actually kind of thought Romero possibly won. But, yeah, that that was that fight was just 
violence personified and then um Sergio or not Sergio Anthony Pettis versus um Nate Diaz Nate Diaz came back after a three-year layoff and put put hands on that man like how that fight was freaking crazy and then um the main event like DC probably should have beat I I actually predicted Stipe to win by knockout and he did but he probably shouldn't have DC probably should have took this man down and ground and pounded. Right, we were talking about that yesterday. He stood and in front of him. Yeah, he avoided. He you know abandoned the game plan of trying to take him down and ride him out. Decided he wanted to try and knock him out. Stood in front of him for four rounds and. and the crazy thing was he was winning. He he won the first two rounds for sure. The third round was very close, but he probably won that as well. Although I think I had it. I had him up t- two rounds to one, and then in the fourth round he just gassed. Stipe started hitting him with big left hooks. They were like left uppercut, like we call them like undercuts um, to the ribs. And you just saw the life go out of uh, Corm or uh, yeah, out of DC. And then DC got caught and Stipe put him out. And yeah, it was sad. I don't know. What, I don't know where DC goes from that. As far as the world of wrestling, he loves pro wrestling. Yeah, he's a huge wrestling mark. He loves wrestling. He loves WWE. Um, I could easily see them bringing him in for one of those celebrity type of matches at a WrestleMania or at a, at a big show. I'd actually be surprised at that, to be honest. Um, although, I mean, Kane's wrestling, so anything's possible. Right. Um, but I don't think that's very likely. I think what's really likely is him having some sort of role. In, he's such a huge mark that, like, I wouldn't be surprised for him to, to see him doing, like, an analyst job. Yeah, or broad, a broadcaster role. Broadcaster kind of, yeah. role or something like that. With, uh, I mean, SmackDown moving to Fox, maybe. They wanted him, but I don't think that's happening now. Yeah. Um, well, part of it because, uh, what's it called? Uh, UFC is on ESPN, and that's kind of a, a conflict of interest. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's not happening. But, um, yeah, I could easily see him having a role in, in um you know, pro wrestling. Yeah, definitely. If you guys are MMA fans or just casuals, I'm telling you, this was the MMA pay-per-view of the year. The top three matches on the card got your way. You, you should watch all three of them. They were excellent. Uh, next question from Twitter follower at JazzKeegan13. Asked for our favorite Power Rangers series. Easy. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the original. Yeah, Mighty Morphin, man, that that was it, man. That was the that was my favorite, the original. I mean, I I liked Zio and Turbo as well, but uh, Mighty Morphin was definitely the best. I watched a bunch of them growing up, but like not the way, not the same way I watched the original Mighty Morphin right. Power Rangers. Like I remember there was like Time Warp and Dino. Well, the whole thing was like I was cool when you had like, the same characters kind of going forward. And then it kind of dropped off. I think it was like after Turbo. I think they like changed up like the whole team, and then they went in space, and then it just got weird from there. Yeah, I don't remember too much. Like we're not the biggest Power Rangers marks. Uh, we should definitely have a. I mean, I growing up, I was a huge Power Ranger mark. Oh no, I mean, I was too. But I'm saying like now, now we're not. And when I say like we're not, because I meant I mean that relatively, because we have friends who actually literally to this day. Are diehard Mighty Morphin like they know everything. Like Aaron Nova could be on yeah, here. Yeah, the captain. Yeah, yeah, he would like be able to school us on all this stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I I like the original. But I did kind of like the um, they did a, a series a couple years ago. It's like Dino Thunder where they brought Tommy back and he was like, yeah, I remember the, that he was one of the Rangers. That was kind of a cool series also. Uh, next question from Rambone Slam Pig: When are you trying to get? When, when you're trying to get new people with very little wrestling background into NJPW, what matches or shows do you start them with? Uh, 
<laughs> um, Jeremy, what do you, uh, when you have people you want to um, show pro wrestling to that are not familiar with this, what do you start them with? I don't know, because for me, I, I really haven't really introduced much people to New Japan for the most part. I mean, I show my brother stuff here from time to time, but usually I, I'm just showing him whatever show that I need to catch up on and watch. That's and a little different, too, because he, he, even though he's not a diehard wrestling fan, he's got a background in it. Right. He's familiar. He, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I would probably show like an Osprey Ricochet I would try and show like maybe a flippy match, athletic match, or like maybe if they had like an if they were like an MMA mark or had like a, that kind of background, I would show them like a a, a strong style match of like uh, you know Shingo and Ishii or something like along those lines. Yeah, I actually kind of agree, but kind of disagree on that one because what, the strong style a little bit, um, partly because of this, and this is just my personal opinion. Those strong style matches, if you're like a diehard MMA fan, they don't make a lot of sense. Mm. <laughs> because, like, for instance, like those Shibata and um, Ishii matches, they're so great. They're so violent. But I remember when I first, and I actually love, like, I've always watched Japanese pro wrestling, but I remember, like, being way more into um, MMA at the time. And watching these guys like sit down and take shots or just stand in front of each other and take a million forearms, it didn't, it actually took me a long, I was like, this is stupid. This does not make sense. <laughs> but like something like Abushi Naito mm. might be more like, like my brother, when he saw that, he was like, holy crap. You know what I mean? And yeah. he, he's like a former MMA like fighter. And I think that's almost easier for him to get into. I think what I like to show people is kind of like what, I, I wouldn't call it the flippy stuff. I would just say, like, to me, I would show them something that's really well-rounded. Yeah. That has the big strikes, the big drops, fast-paced, hard strikes, probably like an Ibushi or a Naito or a Kenny Omega match or, like, a Will Ospreay match. Yeah. Um, I would, if, if they have never watched New Japan, maybe keep it under 20 minutes, maybe, like, a 15-minute match. Yeah, try and Get one of those, uh, maybe one of the fifteen-minute bangers from the G One this year. Yeah, get a banger, dude! At this point, sh just show them some freaking, uh, just show them some Lance Archer. I'm pretty sure they're gonna like it. Yeah, show them Archer and Osprey from night one. <laughs> that's what I. That's gonna be, bro. From now on, that's my new go-to. Oh, you want to see New Japan here? Let's watch Lance Archer. <laughs> Everybody dies. I would show them Archer and Ibushi. <laughs> yeah, I love Archer and that Ibushi. That was awesome. Oh my god! But yeah, that that'd be my. I, I did show somebody um, about a year ago. I showed them uh, Ibushi and Omega from the G1. Mm. And that that was like a pretty good entry point. Even though it's a long match, like that really encompasses a lot of the different styles of New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know? Yeah. All right, that wraps it up for the question this week. Thank you, everybody, for sending in your questions. We'll definitely need some more questions for next week. Uh, now we're going to jump into the news. So um, in the news this week, big news. Um, did you see this report from Justin Barrazzo? Yeah. SportsIllustrated.com? Yeah, on uh, John Moxley's contract. So according to his report, John Moxley's contract only runs through Wrestle Kingdom and then it is done. What do you think about this? It's uh, very interesting. You know, maybe that's clear the deal that he signed ahead of time to work through Wrestle Kingdom. 
And then I'm sure maybe there was plans to renegotiate. Maybe there, there still are plans to renegotiate. But, um, you know, with him being one of the top guys in AEW, maybe that's something that Tony Khan's like, I kind of want you to stick with AEW and not do New Japan. Or I don't know, maybe he doesn't do it going forward. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. Or maybe he does want to renegotiate. This might have just been a cup of coffee. Yeah. Because, you know, essentially his whole thing right now is he he wants to do all stuff that he couldn't do while he's in WWE. He's, he did the G1. He's been doing indie stuff in Northeast Wrestling. Um, well, the reality is with New Japan, he can do whatever he wants stateside. Right. Literally. Yeah. I mean, and he is. He's doing Bloodsport. He's wrestling these NEW shows. You know, he's rest, doing AEW. I mean, he can do whatever he wants at this point, which is great. Right. Um, yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes and ears. This is not fully confirmed or anything like that. This is, at this point, I would put this in the category of rumor. But from what I understand, Justin Barraza is like a really credible source, right? Yeah, he's one of the good guys out there that um, report, reports, you know, accurate information. So this is probably true, most likely. But, yeah, um, very interesting. And I think that um, the idea that I had that he holds on to that belt through Wrestle Kingdom and then drops it there probably makes a lot of sense although at the same time you could have him drop the belt to uh at like say king of pro wrestling and then free him up for one last big match before he leaves the promotion if if hypothetically that is he is actually leaving yeah so we'll keep our eyes and ears on that one that's yeah keep your yeah we'll be on mox watch this man might win newcomer of the year and then also leave in the same year (laughs) um uh, there was an interview this past week with Rocky Romero on NJPW 1972, uh, just talking about um, the Super J Cup, um, different opinions on on the tra- trajectory of different wrestlers. If you haven't checked it out, um, Rocky, man, is just such an incredible interviewer. And I really, I read it. I thought it was really, really good. If you haven't read it, you should go out of your way and definitely check that out. Um, Royal Quest, which is next weekend? Yep. The 31st? Yeah. Running the same day as uh, All Out all out, and uh, TakeOver Cardiff. Are we having an All Out party? Yeah. Oh, we are? Yeah, I was planning on it. We, we, should, we should get on that. I was planning, yeah, r- running all day. We start 1230 with uh, Royal Quest and then r- watch TakeOver UK and then All Out. Yo, y'all in Florida, y'all want to come hit us <laughs> up. <laughs> but uh, for real. <laughs> but um. So Royal Quest obviously is um, taking place over in, uh, where are they? They're in? They're going to be in London, in the UK. That's right. So, yeah. The, the, the uh, Copper Box. Copper Box. So with the Copper Box show, it is not going to be airing live on NJPW uh, World. Right, yeah. We talked. We mentioned this last week. Uh, Fight TV is paying for the production for the show. It's very similar to what happened with uh, the Melbourne Southern Showdown show. Fight TV covered all, all the costs for that show, and then uh, they had the rights for the show up to 72 hours, and then it was on New Japan World. So the same thing's going to be with Royal Quest. It'll be available on Fight. They have exclusive rights for 72 hours, and then it'll be uploaded to New Japan World. Yep, so if you want to watch this, $30 next week. If you don't, man, we're going to have to pay for two pay-per-views in the same day? Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> And rent's coming up. We got to pay these gimmicks, these bills. Yeah. Jeez. Anyways, but um, we'll, we will be watching that live, so we'll, we'll bring you guys great coverage of that. Um, 
the official, I, I, I called them out last week. I said, where's this official New Japan uh, podcast? They actually dropped a new episode this past week. And it was an episode with Rocky Romero and Chris Charlton uh, discussing and detailing the history of the Super J Cup. If you guys haven't listened to it, I give it a high recommendation. I know we talked a bit about this, but they go even more in depth. So if you want some background on this tournament and the history behind it, I would say definitely listen to it. I think it's like under 30 minutes. Or yeah, I checked it out last week. Yeah, real great, especially, you know, for somebody, if you're not familiar with you know, the whole history of the tournament, it's definitely a good listen. Also on uh, NJPW1972.com, uh, the, the merchandise list uh, that they'll be bringing to both the Super J Cup shows as well as Royal Quest are now available online. So if you're going to be attending those shows and you want to uh, get, you know, a sneak peek on what's going to be available, definitely check that out, njpw1972.com. The free match of the week for uh, New Japan is the N- uh, the, the J-Cup finals from the uh, 2016 iteration as Kushida takes on Kanemaru. Mm. Yeah. Kanemaru in the finals, huh? That's crazy. My dog. <laughs> My dog. Uh, I don't I don't remember that match being very good to be honest with you. I don't remember that tournament being very good like hardly at all. I think there was a couple bangers in there. I think we're going to talk about one of them. Yeah, we are. But for the majority that tournament in my opinion was a bit of a disappointment. I'm really hoping this tournament's a lot better. Um on August 30th, so next Saturday, the day before the uh Copperbox show, uh RevPro is going to be holding their Summer Sizzler and they've had a couple of different matches announced. One of those matches uh, David Starr versus Will Ospreay will be taking place on that show, as well as a rematch between the tag team of Suzuki Goon, which is going to be um, the Rep Pro champion uh, in um, Zack Sabre Jr., as well as Minoru Suzuki, taking on the team of the Mega Aces, yeah. Zushiko Okada and uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And um, that match was excellent when we watched it just recently. What show? That was from... Uh, the finals? Yeah, G1 final. G1 finals? Yep, and you know, this is going to play right into the match the next night um, with Tanahashi challenging Sabre and Suzuki challenging Okada. So, um, yeah, the rest of the Red Pro Summer Sizzler card is going to involve other various uh, New Japan talent as well. Obviously, that makes sense because Royal Quest is the next day, and they're both, you know, they're over in the UK. So um, that show actually looks pretty stacked, which is awesome. And then um, we'll go into the other news. So this past weekend, John Moxley took on Pentagon in uh, Northeast Wrestling. Haven't got a chance to check this out. I saw a couple clips. I think you've seen some yeah, too. Actually, I watched the match yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah. How was it? I thought it was a pretty good match. Pretty, uh, just pretty good? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't out of this world. I mean, I, they spent a lot of time uh, brawling on the outside. And the, and the problem with, you know, brawling on the outside on the indie match, they don't have the best camera work to be able to capture Everything. Uh, Besides that, I thought it was a good match. You know, two good guys there. Uh, interesting finish. And uh, I'll see, it'll be interesting to see if they do that again in AEW. Gotcha. So uh, I believe that match is up and available. So you will definitely want to check that out. Uh, there was an interview with Alex Shelley on Wrestling Inc. Uh, this past week. And the only reason I mention it is because he talked extensively about his relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling why the relationship with Ring of Honor and New Japan was a reason for him re-signing with the company in a singles role and how he wants to try and parlay that to potential runs in New Japan. And he says he has had some talks and discussions with the company. Obviously, he's got a long-standing history with them. And he discussed his um, friendship and mentorship with uh, such stars as 
Jay White, as well as Kazushiko Okada. I thought this was a really interesting interview, and uh, it's available both in audio as well as, um, uh, I don't know, typed out form? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, written. Written form. So that's on uh, WrestlingInc.com, and uh, yeah, definitely check that out for yeah, sure. Yeah, I have to check that out. I'm a big uh, fan of Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, the Motor City Machine Guns, and I would love to see... Um, Shelly back in New Japan and get him in this uh, junior division and mix some things up there. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I need to go check out that Matt Taven match and kind of see where he's at. I don't, I haven't seen a match from him in quite a while, so I'm not sure where, where his level's at. But, I mean, Shelly is a guy that I've been watching since, you know, early Ring of Honor, 0203, and then his run, several runs in TNA, doing the paparazzi production stuff, doing the Mortal City Machine Gun stuff. Um Great, great wrestler, great guy. Um, I would love to see him in the top spot somewhere. And then in the last bit of uh, outside news, I just thought this was bizarre, so I wanted to bring it up. The WWE has signed former New Japan star and former IWGP junior heavyweight champion Kendo Cashin as a coach at the Performance Center. Yeah. What the hell? (laughs) What? (laughs) You know, they, they're trying to get everybody and anybody, man. That makes no sense to me, <laughs> bro. Like, when people talk about, like, the Inokiism era and, like, some of the worst of that period, like, and I'm I'm one who goes to bat for it pl- pretty often. I'm like, no, there, yeah, there was a lot of bad stuff, but there's some pretty good stuff. Almost every, almost all the Kendo Cash and stuff. And I know there's some people who love him right now are probably, like, Freaking out that I'm about to say this, but I think the Kendo Cashin stuff is some of the most atrocious and horrible uh, stuff from the <laughs> Inokiism era. I'm sitting here like, what could he bring to the table? Like, what? Why? What? Oh, I don't get that at all. Maybe they're going to use him as a liaison for Japanese talent, maybe? Mm, that would make sense. Because I'm like, he get, he going to be an agent? He gonna <laughs> <laughs> this match is going to suck. See some Anokiism on the Largo loop. We already do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for the news. Yeah, so it's uh, my turn for the recommended match of the week. And my recommended match of the week comes from the first round of the Super J Cup 2016. And it is Kushida. He was the current IWGP junior heavyweight champion at the time, taking on Taiji Ishimori. Now, Taiji was not a member of the New Japan Pro Wrestling roster in 2016 when this match took in place. Taiji was actually representing Pro Wrestling Noah in this tournament. And I thought this was a really great match. I believe um, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter has it rated at four and a half. This match was way better than their Wrestle Kingdom match um, last year. And I thought it was a great match. You had uh, a a baby-faced-looking Taiji and Kushida just having a great match. Uh, definitely go out your way. Check this out. Super J Cup 2016 Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori. Yeah, I think that's the match of the tournament. Yeah, that was the, from what I could find, that was like one of the highest rated matches of that 2016 tournament. Absolutely. Definitely check that out. Really good match. And I think that's going to do it for another award-winning episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Yeah, that's going to wrap things up for this week. Next week, we'll be back with Royal Quest preview and predictions. And we'll see if we can get any kind of Super J Cup coverage for you guys as well. Make sure you connect with us on social media, on Twitter. We are at KI Strong Style. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. 
You can also follow us at Social Suplex on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Prime. On Thursdays, we have NXT, Then, Now, and Forever. Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O, and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we will catch you guys next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.